Today's special trade deadline edition of the Bill Simmons podcast with Ryan Marcillo is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know what's smart? Being ready for the trade deadline. We are here. It is uh, almost 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, and we're ready for whatever happens next. A lot of stuff already happened, but we're ready to go, and you'll get to experience with us as we experienced it. You know what else is smart? Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS to hire the right people for your business. Their technology identifies people with the right skills for your job. Actively invites them to apply. You get qualified candidates fast. Try it out. My listeners for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. It is the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $10 off the first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, which includes... You know, some March Madness coming up. Just throwing it out there. Use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer NBA show, which has been pounding the trade deadline all week. I was there yesterday to break down the Tobias Harris trade with uh, Chris Ryan and Ben Dietrich. But we have that. We have Winging It with Vince Carter and Ken Bazemore and Andy Finberg. And we have the JJ Reddick podcast. So we are covered all over the place with basketball. If you like basketball, if you want more basketball, and if you like college basketball and you want to find out what's going with the draft, do we have a college basketball podcast, Kyle? I think we do. What's it called? Uh, Tita. Oh, sorry. One Shining Podcast. One, One Shining, Shining podcast, podcast with Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. Check that out as well. Don't forget to go to TheRinger.com, which has been on fire this week with um, some good movie stuff, some great food stuff, basketball coverage, post-Super Bowl stuff, some features. Uh, it continues to get better and better. Very proud of that site. And uh, and that's it. And coming up, we are going to do a long, long trade deadline pod with Ryan Rosillo. The first 45 minutes or so, we actually stream live on YouTube and on our Twitter account. So if you hear me uh, say goodbye to that audience, don't be alarmed. But anyway, that is all coming up. We're going to break down everything. We're going to talk about the big Tobias Harris trade, Marcus Saul, uh, Nikola Meritich, Everything. It's all coming up. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right. Live BS podcast. I'm Bill Simmons. That's Ryan Rosillo. Is this the highlight or the low light of your career? No, this is awesome, man. This is great. It's 11.30 Pacific time. Yeah. Have you adjusted to the early trade deadline on the West Coast? I was up early today. We were texting at 6 a.m. Were you surprised you get a text back from me as soon as you did? I was. I'm always surprised when anybody without kids (laughs) texts me before like 8. Yeah, we were we were right on it. I, I was feel like, you're they're still awake. You had an all nighter. Yeah, you're just (laughs) really going. Uh, I prepped for this by staying up all night. So Uh, we have, we have a. One of the wonkiest trade deadlines we've ever had. And I have a theory on this. I want to throw it at you. Okay. I think all the contracts are shorter now and the teams are smarter and everybody is on like these one year, two year, these fat deals. And this is the first year it all came to fruition where just everybody had expirings and extra picks and it is turning into like NBA 2K. This is more trades than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, we're already ahead of, I think, like this season, all all of what you had last year. I think they were almost tied with it last night. 
So I don't know how many more are going to kick in the next 20-something minutes here. What do we got? Less than 30 minutes to go. It feels like we're going to have a couple, right? Do you want to start oh, with we got a- another one as we're talking. Scal Labassier for Caleb Swanigan. Wait a minute. Blockbuster. <laughs> the Kings got rid of a wildcat? <laughs> Those are those are the those are the good ones. The good ones are when you almost forget who a guy, which team he's on. And then like, right before we came on was the uh, the big Laker trade, right? Zubac. Yeah. What, why would you want Muscala? to trade Zubac? I don't. Nobody wants Muscala's dad in their locker room. I think is what it's going on. <laughs> well, now the Levar is back. Stuff. Hey, like, Levar. <laughs> so my theory on Levar, which was that the Lakers had paid him to shut the hell up or had some talk with him or intervention, but as soon as they started trying to trade his son, he's like, I'm back. Screw you guys. Absolutely. And now he's back. He's back. I had more, well, let me put it this way. I don't know that I had a ton of respect for him um, because the requests are absurd. I mean, he was saying today on Cowherd Show that he was upset that the Lakers wouldn't put his sons on the summer league team. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was just, it was, it was kind of ridiculous. And then I would have had more respect for him if he hadn't shut up. Like it would have annoyed everybody, but like you went dark for two thirds of the season. So do you agree with my theory that they something was said because LeBron some cash of, was paid. Part of it was that LeBron was like, I don't want to come here if this guy's going to be ripping me yeah. after the game, and he ripped LeBron. He said in today's interview, he quoted, he was like, now he just falls down and gets hurt. So it's just nuclear against everybody. He called out Magic. He called out ownership. He hates Luke Walton. And he was like, I want all three of my sons to play for the Phoenix Suns. So it's good to see that he's back while his shoes are not delivered on time. <laughs> I I still have Lonzo stock, but uh, I'm not feeling great about it. No, but I think there's some things about him that are really special. His Me vision too. is special. His transition game is special. His understanding of his one-on-one defense is, defense is yeah. great. And then also like the concept of team defense. He's yeah. He's really... Like to think he's only been out of high school a few years and I'll see him do certain things where he reads things terrifically. I like him, but he's kind of like a Simmons in that Ben Simmons can only be the best version of him with a perfect roster around him. And True. I think Lonzo's kind of like that too. Phoenix will be fun for him. Uh, let's break through what we have. Well, I'll go in order of just things that have shocked me so far. So let's start with the Lakers. Or do you want to start with the Eastern Conference, how two playoff teams got better? You pick. I think it's the Lakers because the Anthony Davis thing has been the dominant thing here for weeks. I it think was it's still one of the, the most all-time, important. Yeah, one of the all-time backfirings I can remember. This whole big strategy they tried to execute to basically pigeonhole the, the Pelicans into trading trading uh, Anthony Davis to them. And unfortunately for them, the Pelicans didn't go for it. Weren't interested. And I, I think they really underrated this widow that owns the team who is not used to how traditional basketball goes, who is... By everything I've heard, everyone I've talked to is kind of like, why do I have to trade him? He's got a year and a half left on his deal. What are these guys talking about? What if we just kept him? And I don't think they saw that coming. I don't think they did it at all. And I actually think it was kind of an underrated element to this whole thing where normally I think Clutch would say, okay, here's how it works. We've got LeBron and whatever combination of this is or whatever we say it isn't, we know we usually get our way. Okay, so history is we get our way. So if we want to get Anthony Davis out of there with a year and a half left on his contract, we have to make some noise. We have to make this ugly. Monday is, morning, right. news dump to Woj. Right. Get the news cycle going. Now I'm on first take. Now I'm on Coward Show. I'm going through PTI. I've started the day. Right. And honestly, I think they they did it too late. Okay. Yeah. But they are dealing with a set of circumstances that, you know, I have contacts down there. Like I understand it. I think maybe better than other people do in that. You have an ownership that basically inherited the Pelicans, okay? And it's it's the, the Benson ownership that also owns the Saints. In the beginning, it's new, and it's kind of fun. 
It's like, man, this is this Pelicans thing is great. Look how great Anthony Davis is. And then you start realizing like attendance isn't as good. Man, attendance you know, is bad. Well, right. they, the thing you left out is they basically bought the team not because they wanted to own a basketball team, because they felt real civic duty to the city. Yeah. The Saints owner felt bad and he decided to buy the team at a time when the the teams, the values were in the tank. And then this became this huge asset. And I think that's the other thing to watch is like there's really no teams available right now and they have this team and they clearly are football first. So why trade Anthony Davis when I don't know if they're going to own the team five years from now? I don't even know if it'll, if it'll be that long. Yeah. You know? And look, the civic duty is true, but also when they bought it and what they're going to end up making on it, it's going to end up being another great investment as most of these franchises and being like, I'd still like to read the piece for all the ownership complaints about revenue and all these things. I would love to see a 60 minutes or a 30 for 30 on the guy that actually lost money on buying one of these things because oh it God. doesn't happen. But well, also look at the fact that what teams are available right now. Like when they were having real problems in 08, 2009, 2010, you could, there were 12 teams on the market and people were act actively like, oh shit, attendance is down. It might be time to get out. Nobody wants to get out now. No, not, not at one all. Person. Because, you know, even with the rights and the TV stuff and everybody going, Streaming. okay, there couldn't possibly, like, I actually think it might still be the safest bet. Yeah, I agree. Because you're still trying to figure out, like, from an entertainment standpoint, like, how are we going to get eyes on us? And I don't know that there's a better bet than the live sports thing. But back to the Davis thing, I don't think the media, I don't think Clutch Sports, I don't I don't think anybody truly understand the or understood the challenges of Dell Demps in this GM role. Uh, he doesn't know how long he's going to be there. There's all sorts of rumors. So now you're dealing with kind of a lame duck general manager. Yeah. You're dealing with a football operation that has the final say in a basketball player. An ownership situation where I'm not sure she even truly understands how everything works. And it's like, so wait a minute. So we're supposed to just take the Lakers deal because we're, we're just supposed to? Like, that doesn't it, make any sense. Because he's like, I'm only signing with the Lakers. Yeah. They're like, so what? We're, you're in a contract. You signed a contract three and a half years ago. You have a year and a half to go. You don't have a say in this. I mean, you can tell us what you'd like. That's great. But unfortunately, everybody we're being offered right now, there's not a single guy who has a chance to be an all-star. You posted on Twitter today, Tatum versus Ingram. I don't think that's a contest. I, I think Tatum's ceiling, even the way he's playing now, he's just better than Ingram. I'm not even really positive what Ingram is. I don't, like, if he's one of my best three guys on a finals team, where's he playing? Is he creator? He's not really a three-point shooter. What is he? Yeah, Ingram's interesting because I, I don't— like, I'm not I don't, against him. I no, just I think I don't he's talented. think he's a sure thing by any means. No, whatever. Like, whenever this deal was coming out, right, as it was building. So we saw the Saturday night rumors that they showed during the Lakers-Golden State game, and it was the four pieces, right? And then on Monday, it turns into basically all five young guys. We'll take back Solomon Hill. We'll throw you two first-round picks. And it just starts building. And as yeah. it was building, everybody's doing this well. Now you have to take it. Now you have— That's not the way this league works. You have to make sure that the one piece that you're getting back amidst all the names is really important. And if the one name, if the best is Brandon Ingram or Kuzma, if you're the Pelicans, forget all the challenges of what's going on with that franchise. If you're sitting there going, why am I supposed to do this now? Like, I don't think the number one piece at the top of this pile of assets is that attractive. You have to get a blue chipper back. And the course of NBA history says almost every time this goes badly for the team that is trading the superstar. Every time. And it's right. always like you're getting Eric Gordon back as a centerpiece. Oh, he's great. He's got a ton of potential. And then he never gets to where he's going to go. That's why I was so intrigued by the Ben Simmons for Davis. And by the way, I heard that there were conversations for, on both sides with that. 
That one would make a little bit more sense because you'd have the rookie control. Because the Porzingis stuff, of course they called Anthony Davis on Porzingis. But the Knicks knew Porzingis wasn't going to help them facilitate trades at all. Right. Which is, I think, why that happened so quickly. And New Orleans, like New Orleans, despite all the challenges and the frustrations of how they've built the roster around him and all the injuries and now on a second coach, like I get some of Anthony Davis's concerns. But New Orleans isn't going to sit there and trade him for somebody else who's not re-signing in a market that very few guys are ever going to want to go to. Yeah. So. Well, and, I, and the thing is, where is New Orleans three years from now? If you're going to tell me they're definitely going to be in New Orleans and I'm Ben Simmons and all these guys care about their brand and all that stuff, why would I want to stay in New Orleans? Especially if they're not a very good team. But like if they're in Seattle in three years, that's a lot more enticing, I think, to the way these under 30 superstars kind of think, you know? It's like, oh, I'm in Seattle where Amazon's there. And yeah, I, I could. I could have I, an app. There's rich white people there, and I could have meetings and maybe get get some Hi, can stock. We, tips. Can we get Ringer to follow around tech meetings of NBA guys? It's my I would, favorite. I would love to know what actually happens. In it's. Those. It's. I ask so many questions because what happens is all these guys, these rich dudes who live in like Silicon Valley or wherever. They just want to go home and tell their eight-year-old son that they met with Kevin Durant. And here's the photo that I took with him. And then when they're in that meeting, at the end of it, they're like, hey, why don't you get in on the early bird thing? We don't normally give this out, but you could buy this for this. And all of a sudden, these guys are just amassing these massive stock portfolios, basically because these dudes just want to meet them. So they're giving them like the angel round stuff. But like, are they guys making money on this stuff or are they? That's the other thing. Well, I think, you know, they have like a friends and family thing. Right. No, I understand like the intro rounds of, of all they want to do is like just hang out with these guys and get the picture and put the frame picture in their office of, you know, Kevin Durant. It's like me, Jacoby and Obama and Joe House, <laughs> just like this, where Jacoby looks like he's just been let out of a prison. Um, Jacoby has some has some good pictures out there. So we compare and contrast LeBron right now to Michael Corleone at the end of Godfather 2, just on the bench by himself, where all of his plans, he's extinguished all his enemies, but he's all alone. Because I think that might be the next three years of his Lakers career. How bad do you think that they've played this? You were, you were alluding to it, but I don't think you really think, finished it. I think they played it horribly. Because here's the thing. I actually liked watching that Lakers team last year, and I hate the Lakers. But I, I thought they had a lot of potential, and they had. I liked the way Luke Walton coached them. And the, the after Luke the Walton All-Star sucks break, thing. I don't get yeah, Luke Walton's a good coach. Fuck that. Right. I don't, I don't like that team— was was a couple years removed from high school and they were good defensively. Yeah. That's impossible. That doesn't and, happen. And playing hard and competitively. Right. And I, I think like I was watching Brooklyn Denver last night. Nice. And Brooklyn made this huge comeback in the, the second or third quarter. And somebody made a play and you could see the bench and they're all jumping up and fist pumping. And like that team really likes each other. That's how the Lakers were last year in the last couple months. I felt like they were all pulling for each other. And now it's a disaster. And Everybody made a big deal about the LeBron with the three empty seats next to him picture. And it was like, oh, actually, that guy had just gone gone in the game. But at the same time, it was kind of symbolic, right? These guys are playing with this dude whose agent is leaking stuff, clearly trying to trade all of them for Anthony Davis. Like, that's that's just not a way to to have a basketball team. The LeBron deal is, is unlike anything else I think we've ever seen in team sports. LeBron, as far as I, for all the years I've ever watched anything, maybe I'm missing somebody historically, maybe it's a Babe Ruth, but yeah. I think LeBron's the most powerful individual in team sports that I've ever seen. 
Yeah. And he's rewritten the rules. Orlando trading for Markel Fultz, by the way. Oh, what'd they get? I don't know. I'm going to find out. Keep going. Do you think I, was, it's a first? I was excited for you. Do you think your it's point. a protected first? I think it's DJ Augustine. And, and hopefully. And like so. a second. So LeBron's the most okay, powerful so, athlete. Right. I think he's the most powerful athlete, and I admire him for that. You know, the joke that I've used before um, on, on TV shows and stuff is like, you know, how people would say, you know, they'd be defending Jordan, and Jordan could say, you're wearing my shoes. You know, yeah. like, think about that. Well, LeBron could say, like, my agency reps you. And I know they try to say that it has nothing to do with the other. That's, that's kind of ridiculous. So I admire that he's kind of rewritten the power rules, but he's able to do it because he's the best player. And he's been the best player here for a really long time. And grabbing LeBron, like we nitpick Harden. Are people nitpicking Anthony Davis right now? Imagine nitpicking LeBron when it's eight straight finals. I mean, yeah. it's still a good deal for the team. And yes, you're going to have to find a way to concede certain things. Um, yeah, the orbit around him is going to be annoying at times. But the one constant, and I'm not saying he's a bad deal, but it's going to get really ugly here towards the end. And I think this could be a preview of it here with the Lakers. But like I went through it again. Every single authoritative thing that he's ever had, whether it's a coach or GM or ownership, Paul Silas, year, they're a year plus. Jim Paxson, out. And it was because of the Boozer trade. And yeah. then we heard from Boozer last year who said, Actually, LeBron told me to leave. Yeah. And a lot of people blamed all of these guys for losing Boozer. And that's why LeBron early on had yeah. doubts about Cleveland. Um, Mike Brown, he let Brown get fired without telling anybody what he was going to do. Yeah. They bring in Byron Scott. It's like, oh, it didn't really matter what you did. Right. Like, Sorry you fired I'm Mike Brown, anyway. but I was leaving anyway. He gets down there. Oh, Danny Ferry, there were, there were issues. Um, Chris Grant wasn't him. Spo issues early on. Spo, he, Spo was on his way out. Riley that first 50, 60 games. Remember, it's like this guy's overmatched. Yeah. And also like leaks stuff that I don't think LeBron was leaking, but I do think the people around him might have a habit of putting stuff out there to make LeBron look better and other people look worse. That's been a recurring theme this whole decade. Right. So you keep going. Riley. I thought Riley was going to have an aneurysm on that press conference when LeBron decided he was going back to like that was real anger. And, and you, by the way, one of my favorite moments non-basketball, basketball moments of the decade where you have this guy basically like, yeah, this is hard. Sometimes you lose. That doesn't mean we just throw this all away. Like, it doesn't always go your way. You got to stick together and was basically talking about it in this idealistic way that people don't think that way anymore. It's like, this hasn't gone well. All right, what's next? Swipe right. I'm going to the next team. Right, and the next team. So you got Riley. I don't know what Mickey Aronson, that that was ever close. The Gilbert thing, I understand his animosity towards Gilbert, but he was still able to get David over Blatt. enough. Blatt was, they were like, look, I don't, I don't think I blame anyone. I mean, Blatt was, Blatt was, it was, it was Some a bad, bad fit. Stories, yeah. yeah, it was a bad fit. And then Lou, I don't even think if he had gone back to Cleveland, I'm not even sure Ty Lou would have stuck around. So as soon as LeBron goes to LA, now what are we hearing? We're hearing that Luke Walton Well, you sucks. left out a couple, there were some fall guy players too. Like Chris Bosh the first year, he's too soft. Oh my God, he's he's the lousy one out of these three. Why'd they have to bring him? And then same thing with Kevin Love. Kevin Love took a beating for yeah. those first two years. That was the guy LeBron recruited. I don't know, not, none of it ever falls on him. And I, and I, it's weird because it's turning this thing where it's like, if you criticize LeBron, you're a hater. I'm not, I'm not criticizing him. I, I love him, the, actually. He's I mean, the second best player of all time. I think going to eight finals is amazing. But- I think it's really not a coincidence that we've had dysfunction every single year, basically, except for maybe two since 2010, that last Cleveland season, when he held them hostage the whole year by saying, not saying what he was going to do. And it's like, 
goes to Cleveland, just signs one-year deals over and over and over again. That just ma- that just makes everyone uneasy. And then we have Durant last night laying into the press, and I'm so tired of hearing about free agency. It's like you're signing one-year deals. People are going to wonder where you're playing next year if you're constantly a free agent. They do this to get attention, I think, and to keep leverage. But you're going to have to answer questions about it. And the other thing about like LeBron's approach and kind of like with the Durant thing, you know, LeBron doing the one plus ones, yeah, and making sure like they take such pride in not revealing anything. But at, at some point, I think it's to the detriment of his own goals. Like you're still in a team sport and being collaborative with ownership and a general manager is not conceding power. Right. And he's burnt himself sometimes with this. Well, he did by, it last night. The, what was the Harrison Barnes Instagram post? It doesn't this make any sense. I mean. It doesn't make any sense. You get sense. traded at halftime. Right. It's a business. It's like, what are you talking about? You guys have more power than at any point in the history of the league. I'm super sympathetic to especially the guys in the 50s and 60s and 70s, but I'm always gonna be, over. I'm always going to be pro player versus manager. Or even this. in football. But, like football, those guys get chewed up, spit out, replaced by a six-round pick. In basketball, they are fairly compensated. They make a ton of money. Yeah, I don't know in the, kind of the social awareness that's really developed over the last few years because I think it's media-driven a little bit. Um, yeah, this is great. The players this, are taking the, the control play- of the league. It's like, is it great? Yeah, because I, I would say, all right, that's fine. Like, I, I like that... <sighs> I want to be pro player, but I also think it's fine to ask a very open-ended question and be like, at what point are we past the tipping point of this where it's absurd? What if you sign a five-year deal and you out year in, you go, you know, I don't like this. Power to the player. Empowerment. I want out of here. And be like, well, you have four years left in your deal. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, think would, about- would the media members still say, like, good for him, flexing right. his muscles? You know, like LeBron, the, the, the audacity of him to rip the whole idea that, like, Okay, it, it is unfair for players sometimes. Player leaves as a free agent. Yeah, it sucks to get you're, traded. Right, I get you're, it. You're emotional as a fan. You take it personally. The idiots that burn jerseys to try to get something to go viral. Like right. that stuff's all stupid, but I understand because I remember being emotional about any one of these guys and feeling dumped when they left in free agency, right? Yeah. And the ruling of the ownership having the ability to go ahead and trade them. But there's still an employer-employee relationship here. Like I can root for everyone in our business to make all the money that they can make. But I can still understand there's certain things that, like, you're still going to have to answer to as an employee. And despite making 30 and $40 million a year and being the most amazing athletes in the world, like, that contract, the right to make that money, also comes with some things that you have to concede. And this empowerment thing that's, like, gained real momentum, which I think is kind of great that all the players aren't getting trashed the way you used to. We used to grow up in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. These guys just get dumped on all the time. I like how it's developed, but I think there's a tipping point where it's okay to ask how far is too far where fans of the league are like, dude, are you serious? Well, think Everybody about, just gets to complain the whole time and demand out? Like, that's how much fun is that going to be? Think about how few happy teams there are these days. There's Which ones are there? Is it Boston? No, it's it's Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn's happy. That should be their free agent pitch. Brooklyn, we're Denver, happy. Denver seems happy. Sacramento. Sacramento seems happy, although they just traded like two Dallas. Of their glue guys. Dallas, because they got rid of everybody. But nobody's happy. And then the other thing is Yeah, how is everybody this unhappy? I think that's maybe the point. Even people, teams that are stuck together, like the the Philly situation, they don't seem that happy. The Boston situation, this is like the greatest. Kyrie's in the best situation ever. He's a great organization, great front office. They have a ton of picks, ton of young guys. He doesn't seem happy. So it's like, what is happy? 
What, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. LeBron's happy. not happy. LeBron, Anthony Davis isn't happy. LeBron you, hasn't you, seemed happy for years. Harden's thrilled because he's like, this is this awesome. Is <laughs> I love these unassisted assists. I don't need anybody. But it's like, I think people don't realize sometimes as fans, just in basketball, like how tied you are to the success, failure, ebbs and flows of the other guys in your team. You know, like you had this situation. You're on a show with Van Pelt for how many years? Six years. If Van Pelt was a free agent, like every six months and every six months, it's just stories about is Van Pelt leaving? What's going to happen to a show? Is he going to get rid of Rosillo? And you're reading leaks and it's like, they might replace Rosillo with Brian Kenny. And you're just reading this stuff <laughs> and you don't know where it's coming from. Wait a minute, did you hear anything? <laughs> and you have to do the show every day. At some point that's going to affect the show. Yes. And that's, yeah, right. I just think the professional unease that, a lot of these guys are bringing out, that's what happened with Draymond and KD. By all accounts, when they started yelling at each other, it eventually escalated to, shut the fuck up, you're not going to be here in a year anyway. And that was the under underlying thing, is these guys feel like, we have a chance to win a third straight and you're going to leave? And now you're yelling at me on a basketball court? Fuck you. So... And I don't know. It's like, all over the place. I try to be very um, sympathetic about this, you know, because they have more access to hate. You know, whenever... I've brought the, I think it's a really good point. Like, and I, it's my point and I'm going to repeat it. We've had, I think of six or seven of the top players in the league. Almost every one of them has had some ad campaign built around the hatred. Yeah. Harden, Westbrook, Durant, LeBron, um, Curry has done it. All of these guys have had different ad campaigns where it's addressing the hate because they have access to the hate that they've never had before. So right. I get it. You know what I mean? Like if I, I'm pretty good, I think, with social media and how I let it bother me. But I would check it after the show. Hey, did somebody like my segment? Did somebody like what I did? Hey, w was somebody into this? And if it's the wrong day and somebody says that right thing, then I could walk around and, and have the persecution complex. Because I yeah. think a lot of us, it's easier to go down that road. It's easier to get in our own heads. And despite the fact that these guys are making the money they're making and are the most famous athletes in the world, it's still human nature to feel like everybody's against you. But like for Durant to have that, that rant that he had, when the Warriors are treated really well by that city. Like what's, kinda, what's the hardest thing Durant's really had to deal with from the media, not fans? No, I get it. If he's fighting with high school kids on Instagram, that's his fault, okay? Because like that stuff's just out there. But imagine him in New York City, if they're a four or five seed. With Frank Isola going at him. Frank just hammering him. Frank just killing him. I, so I'm going to defend and excoriate Durant at the same time. Okay. <laughs> I Fundamentally, he's right. Why does he have to talk to these guys and answer stupid questions after games? Why do we still do it this way in 2018? Uh, Kevin, uh, what were you thinking on that three with a minute to go? Like, why did, who's that for? What, I, I look, what, what human being? I love basketball. Who's that for? I don't care. When's the last time you read a game recap? Uh, never. So I get his point on that. I get his point on like, he obviously read that piece from Ethan Strauss and Ethan Strauss is writing it in a way that made it seem like he sourced close to Durant. And Durant's point was, I don't, you don't fucking talk to me. You're in the locker room every day and we don't interact. Would so Kevin have talked to him you, though? In, in fairness to Ethan. <laughs> so that's, that's the part. The part that I don't agree with is if you're going to be a free agent and this Knicks stuff is going to be sitting there the whole year and you have all these different options to be like, you know what, man, I'm in an awesome situation. We have a chance to win three straight. We have a chance now to be one of the four best basketball teams of all time. And I'd be crazy to leave that. 
but he doesn't say that. He doesn't say anything. It's a lot of like, Hey man, I, is it my future is my future. It's, I got to do what's best for me, which is fine. You can feel that way, but guess who doesn't want to hear that? Fans, the people that give a shit. If I'm a Warriors fan, I, I, I would just be like, can you imagine McHale after 1986 Celtics win? They've won three in six years. They made the finals three years in a row. Mikhail's like, I don't know, man. I got to do what's best for me. Like, we would have gone fucking crazy. What? What if right, we just won right. 67 games? Okay, we went 50 but, to 2 in the playoffs. You have to do what's best for you? But the counter to that would be, Mikhail, it wouldn't even enter, like, that wasn't even part of the thought process of no. a player back then. The so is it better now that a player understands his power, flexes his muscle a little bit? The thing that I think is kind of silly but, is like- but My question is, what are they flexing? They They seem to be flexing the- Everything is better at my at the next place. Yeah, Wherever but it's, I am now, it's weird though because it's, it's like, like every, that swing, remember in swingers when they're in that club and the, and they're yes, like, we should go. Answer. This place is dead anyway. Right. That's like NBA's mentality now with everything. Yeah, <laughs> is it Golden State good? Eh, this place is dead anyway. I'm gonna go to New York, and then he's gonna go to New York. He's gonna be happier playing for James Dolan over this Golden State situation. Give me a break. And that's the part that I always think is kind of funny because you're like, it's a bit like the Kyrie thing, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was the Jimmy, but I think the Jimmy Butler thing is like different in a whole new level where I think the market for Jimmy, it's going to be a bit of a wake up call there where it's like actually <laughs> five teams don't want to give you the max. How about not. two years, 48 million and you're going to like it, Jimmy. So <laughs> who's, how, who's giving him three years? When I talk to teams about him that have space, they're like, nope, please. <laughs> nope. <laughs> now we'll see when they strike out on plan A, B and C. And if Butler's still sitting there, do you talk yourself into it? Because of his talent. History will tell you a team's going to talk themselves. The problem is teams now have decades and decades of evidence that if you sign the wrong person to the wrong long-term contract, you might as well dig dig a hole for yourself in in the desert and just bury your whole team in it for three years. Like, look at Washington and John Wall right now. Is that now? Well, it's definitely the most immovable contract. That is the worst contract, I think, of all time. It's so bad. There's I mean, like three years left after this one at 40 million a year. He has two separate really damaging leg injuries at the same time. And he's gained weight the last couple of years. He and he has, plays excuse a position. Me, excuse me. He has four years. Four years yeah, after this? After this year. The, the extension oh kicks God. in next year. 38, 41, 44. And then I'm going to go ahead and guess he's going to pick up that player option for 47 million in 2023. You think he's going to pick that up? I'm going to report that now. John, John Wall, <laughs> breaking. Speaking of breaking, here's the full Markel Fultz deal. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm going I'm to, no one, no one agrees with me. No one agrees with me. So I'm going to make myself look like an idiot here. I'm going to guess that there's some language that there's a first rounder, possibly. Jonathan Simmons. So yeah. now they have two Simmonses. Wing. Protected future OKC first rounder. Yes. Cleveland second rounder. Oh, nice. It's a lot for Markel Fultz. I always contended there's got to be one team out there that would be willing to give you some sort of language around a first for the guy that was the number one pick two years ago. Does and this who's, mean who's 21? Does it's not mean, like he's 30. Does this mean that Philly doesn't like the way rehab went? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else are they going to say? How but great this, would it be if Marco, Marco was like, do they have Chick-fil-A in Orlando on, on Twitter? It would be the greatest tweet of all time. You know what's funny about Markel is like in the beginning when he's hurt last year, and I noticed like what a great bench guy he was. Yeah. And I, I even tweeted something out about it. I go, as bad as this has been, and you feel for the kid, 
anybody with a heart, I mean, you're like, man, how broken is this guy? Like, this, yeah. this sucks. Right. And for the guys that know, like, you can't treat him like a, a total bust when teams that were in the mix at the top were like, when you watch him in the under 18 or the FIBA stuff or whatever it was, they were like, he was filthy. And I'd watch him on the bench. I go, you know what? All the negative stuff, look how engaged he is. He's happy. He's smiling. He's having right. fun. I go, that's a great sign. And then I was watching a game not that long ago and he was doing the same shit. And I was like, now it doesn't feel like a great sign anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is just who he is. Yeah. I uh, I don't know where this ranks against Darko and Thabit and some of the other ones. I, I remember they got a first rounder for Darko. They did. They got, yeah, mid first. Thabit, I don't even Orlando. think got a first rounder. I still feel like Thabit is the lost, like they always mention Darko. They're going to mention Fultz now. Thabit is like the lost bust that nobody mentions because everybody kind of felt like it was going to be a bust when they had him, when they took him. It was like, oh, that's going to be a bust. But like to pass on James Harden for Thabit, rough. And, the Thabit and one Curry. was weird because Thabit had given you plenty of evidence of UConn that he wasn't that good anyway. Yeah. There and was real concerns. He had some aggressiveness that finally showed up. The last year was at UConn where you go, okay, you know, right. maybe because he used to just sort of plod around and you're like, how engaged is this guy? And then you thought, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit more there. But, you know, the Steph thing is, you know, you didn't realize in two years you go, he's going to be the best shooter, top three handle, and the smartest. Like, he was all of those things by his second year in the league. He's one, he's one of the smartest players I've ever seen, and I don't know. I can't believe this Steph Curry thing. I can't believe in the moment it was crazy. As it was happening, him being— Him falling to seven. Was, Rubio, Johnny Flynn. It was just crazy in the moment. I was doing my draft diary that day. I've been wrong in the draft diary, but that one, it was like, what is happening? We just watched this guy. This guy had a command of the moment and has these skills that— I, I, how does this not translate to the NBA? It seemed impossible. There was now, this there was this weird thing though. There's some ankle like, shit with him though. Right. But then they also switched him point guard. It was almost like Davidson allowed his last year to be an entire NBA tryout, which right. was really weird. I think I it turned it. off some people. It turned me off. You liked it. Um, but Hey, I have I have some breaking news. Yeah, from keep keep it coming. Joe Varden. This is well timed. Joe Varden, senior writer for the Athletic, based in Cleveland. Anthony Davis's agent, Rich Paul, tells me. Davis is not being traded today. That was literally Hey, at, Joe, I could have told you that 16 hours ago. Well, it's official. It's official. <laughs> at least now we know what we can do. <laughs> I love that Rich, the Rich final Paul, hour. Rich Paul grabbing some ownership over last night, that deal being dead and the Pelicans being like, Okay, do you think, though, so the rest of the season, I think you're, because your background's a writer, yeah. that all writers love the most dramatic version of stories. Yeah. And that's... That's your... We gravitate toward the right. giant angles. It's the reason that makes you successful and also Thank I think has, has flaws in some of the ways we approach stories. Agree. Uh, I, I've created a monster <laughs> now. Do you think it really matters that maybe everybody in the Lakers is pissed at LeBron the rest of this season? So here... And if here, you believe that that's here's the case. What the, here's what does matter. It's not just the picture. You know. Here's what does matter. He went to a team that he is now not going to succeed with and he is somebody that made the finals for eight years in a row, basically. And he went to LA and I think he thought, I'm going to go to LA and other guys will come. Nobody came. Then it's like, we'll play half of the season. Then we'll trade all our dudes for Anthony Davis. Rich Paul signs Anthony Davis. This is done. Done deal. Davis will be there by February. That didn't happen. And you think now LeBron he, now yells, yells at those guys? At Rich Paul? Yeah. Well, my question is, if you're Davis, do you keep clutch now? 
I don't know how you have ever have gone there. If you, you left the Wasserman age, right? But like, how do you go to Clutch and then go, "Hey, I have an open mind about where I want to play." Like, well, wait a minute, but you're just going to tell those guys that, like, actually, I don't want to go play with your guy. Clutch has no commission because they, Davis is under his old contract, which was negotiated by his last agency. At this point, he could be like, "Wow, these guys really kind of screwed things up for me. Maybe I should change agents again." I went if they were. If, I don't think he's that way. If we could bet on this way. and CAA was like ten to one, I would grab some CAA stock. You would future a CAA. I would play future here. A Davis signs with CAA and fires Clutch stock because this is a disaster, and and all it did was it made New Orleans fans not like Davis. It made him look like a schmuck. Um, it made Clutch look terrible. It made LeBron look terrible, and it made all of the Laker guys worse. What was good about this? The only one. The only winner was the widow. The widow looks great. I'm trying to find a winner here because I don't think Del Damps wanted him there anymore. You know who the winner is? It's the Boston Celtics. The winner's about the hope is there now that this can be put together. The problem is for the Celtics package, the Clippers pick, they're probably not going to get now as they tear down their team. The Sacramento yeah. pick is going to be a lot better than anybody thought. Um, their own pick won't be very good. Uh, Mark Stein tweet. What do we got? One minute ago. The Boston Celtics, possibly at their own risk are officially part of the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. Let's go, baby! It's on now. What if Ainge... What if Ainge never had any intention of including Tatum, but just decided to tell everybody that worked for the Celtics to leak it out? Like, tell everybody that Tatum's available this summer and get that message out there. Because you can never underestimate... This is going to sound stupid, but I think you and I, like guys that are in that area, Ainge loves kind of the Red Arback thing of like, let's just mess with the Lakers. Now, I think he also wants Anthony Davis. Let's not be ridiculous here. But I think there's a little, there's a little, they're, they're celebrating this in Boston. I, I would not commit to trading Jason Tatum right now until I see, like the other, the other night against Cleveland, 12 free throw attempts, 26 points. Attacking the basket, sec, the second half of the second season is usually when a guy starts to do this. I would want to see that. I mean, we've already seen him in playoff games really come through. Um, I'd want to see him in another year with his legs under him to trade a guy on a rookie contact contract and all this other stuff for Davis still makes me nervous because, and I might be a homer on, on Tatum. I might like him too much. I really think the guy is like really, 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 really talented. Heinsohn wouldn't trade him for anybody. Heinsohn was like, Kawhi who? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's clear that the mistake they might have made last year was the the Jalen Brown Kawhi thing, which I yeah. agreed with. I thought they should have kept Jalen, but maybe in retrospect, you know, it's hard to read Kawhi. I mean, nobody. I mean, every now and then you think you have some intel on something with Kawhi, you just never know. You know, it's not hard to read the real estate article that he just bought a thirteen million dollar house outside of San Diego, which is like about an hour and twenty minutes from here, where he bought the house. Hour thirty. I, I always, I follow the breadcrumbs with celebrity real estate. <laughs> there should be a celebrity real estate podcast. Do you want to start one? You, no, I don't want to do you it. You and Kyle? Yeah. Like, well, there's a place in El Segundo here that's uh, not going to get list. So when do we give up on more trades happening? Now it's 12.07. Remember back in the day, they used to kind of be caught up and it would go into like 12.30. Yeah. Hold on. Let's, let's take, we're going to take a, a break for the podcast. Oh, okay. And then we'll come back. Watch how we do this. Let's take a break to talk about Academy Award-winning screenwriter and playwright Aaron Sorkin, who is here 
earlier this year discussing his incredible career and all the great things he's been involved with, including the West Wing, the newsroom, the social network. People love that podcast. They love the stories. Well, he has a new play on Broadway. It's an adaptation of Harper Lee's Pulitzer Prize winning To Kill a Mockingbird, recently voted America's best love novel of all time. One of the most popular and toughest tickets to get on Broadway. It set the record as the highest grossing American play in Broadway history. It has been selected as a critic's pick by the New York Times, called one of the greatest plays in history by NPR. Two-time Emmy winner Jeff Daniels, live on stage as Atticus Finch. Friday called it one of the great stage successes of this or any Broadway season. To Kill a Mockingbird, unfortunately, sold out for the next several months. But you know what? That doesn't mean you can't get tickets. Oh, you can get them. You can get them. All you have to do for Valentine's Day, by the way, which is coming up. It's a good Valentine's Day gift. Purchase available performances for this summer or this fall. Available at telecharge.com or the show's website, to kill a mockingbird broadway.com. Impress your lady, impress your man. Get them tickets. Good Valentine's gift. Check it out. All right, we're back. <laughs> are we not on the air anymore now? No, we're on the air. No, are we not on the camera? I think we are. Are we still on? Are we still on, Sean? You? Thanks, Sean. Sean, how you feeling about the Rockets? Um, all right, yeah, we'll go. We'll go ten more minutes, sure, to see if there's another thing, and then we'll take everything else to the podcast because I want to do winners and losers for some of these trades. Uh, the Celtics have traded Jabari Bird to the Hawks opening up a roster spot and probably some luxury tax money. So that was a pure luxury tax thing. I didn't think the Celtics were going to do anything. I think they're trying to keep everything for the Anthony Davis Let's thing. talk about the Miritich thing as yeah, we wait. Miritich is so, perfect for what they're doing. If you and I were co-GMs for a team and that team was a playoff team, Miritich would have been on our team. Would have been like, oh, we have to top three second round picks. Okay, what do you want? Yeah. You want to protect it first? Tell me, right. what, how, can, let's get this done. I, before we hang up, I want this deal done. Miritich can play crunch time for the Bucks. Absolutely, 100%. I thought that was a more important trade than the Gasol trade. Because they really needed a Mir one more guy, one more dead-eye shooter who's not scared, who can have 29 in game four on the road and uh, and has been in games. I, I trust that guy. What Budenholzer's doing with this team and like this this age of all right, how how much can we space this out, right? So Golden State would space it with four, maybe three and a half now with the way Draymond shooting has fallen off and yeah. the way people kind of don't really really respect him uh, respect him as much. But you know it was set up that you couldn't leave, right? Houston's running the same thing. If they go five, that's one thing. When they go with Capella with certain matchups, it's four out, one in. Yeah. The one in for Milwaukee's Giannis. <laughs> right. Think about that. And he's actually not in. They play five out. So you add Miritich to a closing lineup. I don't care what he is or isn't defensively. Like, this is the league now. Can yeah. we put five guys out there that you have to... And, I mean, it's hard enough. Giannis can dribble into double teams and still finish over him at the rim. And even if there's defensive issues, Giannis is is so all over the place now defensively that he can cover up at least a little bit. I think if you put, what'll be interesting to me is that can they play Lopez, Meritich, and Giannis, the three of them together? What what that what happens to them defensively? Yeah, will somebody just go ultra small against him to try to get them running yeah. around, right? 
Cause then, cause none of those guys post up anymore. Hey, Lopez, what's funny is Lopez used to be, he used to I post really like far, an elite though. post up guy. Yeah. But his thing was, he would always start further away from the hoop than you'd want to for a post guy. That's I some, watched, that's some in-depth stuff right there. I watched a lot of Brooklyn, Brooke Lopez. One of the, do you have net season tickets? No. One of the years that the Celtics had their, had uh their pick. You wanted to just make it sure was the they year were Jared terrible. Jack got hurt. I was so, my dad and I were just watching the Brooklyn games. <laughs> And Lopez was just killing our pick for like a month and was unstoppable at the end of these games. And both of us were like, fucking Brooke Lopez, who knew he was this good? And then he went to the Lakers and just got kind of misused. And then LeBron shows up and you think like the Brooke Lopez now is kind of the perfect LeBron big guy. And uh, and they got rid of him. But anyway. Oh, by the way, another trade. Yeah. Uh, the Phillies are going to get. Um, the Phillies baseball? Yeah. Sixto Sanchez was traded. From the Marlins, I think. That's not part of the NBA trade deadline. Oh, I I didn't know this was a specific. I just what thought we hadn't got around. All, yeah, all yeah. trades? I just didn't know what we were doing yet. Uh, Milwaukee is plus 250 to win the East. They're Don't not the favorites. But what about, oh, Toronto's going to be the favorite. I'm going to give you some Eastern odds now. Because we didn't talk about Toronto. No, we got to do Toronto. We got to do. Uh, Marcus Gasol, who I would have liked this trade more. Two years ago? Hey, even two months ago, remember he was making threes in November and I was like, oh, Marcus Gasol, fountain of youth. But I, he just hasn't played that well the last six, seven I weeks. I was kidding around at the beginning. I didn't think we were on the air yet, but there's always these times like when you're brought in as an analyst to describe what's happening early in a season and Memphis was 12 and five. And yeah. you don't know why they're 12 and five, but you seem like you have to go on TV and explain you it. You have to have a take. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, everyone knows their role. Yeah. Like it's not that they're great, but everyone understands. And you know, as you're saying it, you're totally full of shit. Continuity you right, is right, important. Right, right. Like they respect their coach. He has a voice that yeah. reaches these guys. And like, it's, and you just know you're making up everything. Because yeah. deep down, you're like, I think they suck. But yeah. they're 12 I and 5. I think they could and, easily be 9 and, and Sports Center has it in the Bs. So we got Toronto at plus 210. Celtics plus 230. Bucks at plus 260. Philly at plus 350. Okay, give me your Philly thing on Tobias Harris. Because you and I oh, yeah, agreed about that? the price. Yeah, we agreed about the price. And then, you know, it was like, hey, wake up Philadelphia. I have a two I have a two part take. This is on. the part where I wish I w- were not aligned in living in Boston. Because I, I mean, I always feel the same way about everything. It has nothing to do with that. But no one ever really, maybe you're biased. You mean you and I are aligned? Well, we see basketball the same way a lot of the times. Well, it's just a, that, that Miami pick completely just thrown in. Like, I would love to know what the other offers were. Was anyone else offering two first rounders and pieces for Tobias for Harris? For a guy who's leaving, who they are, they were going to drive to the airport as soon as their season Yeah, the ended. Clippers didn't want to no, resign Tobias Harris. They offered him a contract last summer and he turned it down. So at that point, he's out. So I have a two-part take. One is that- Give me part um, one first. I'm going to do I'm gonna do part two first because oh, it's more relevant. Okay. This is like quiz show. I would rather have Miritich for Wilson Chandler and two- number twos or a protected number one or whatever over all, everything I paid for Tobias Harris. Because of what Tobias Harris is going to cost you. I, I just thought they overpaid and he's going to be the fourth option and he's going to need shots and he's going to need the ball on a team where now they have a starting five of all guys who need the ball, who at least like, you know, ideally would like 15 shots a game. You're not going to be able to do that. They don't have like the quote unquote glue guy. And if you're just going to have Tobias Harris over in the corner shooting threes and not running plays for him, which I think is how this plays out, I just rather have Meritich. Because then I can, I have a guy who fits really nice with Embiid. I don't have to give up a lot. I keep my Miami pick for 
maybe a trade down the road with whoever. I just, I didn't like the trade when it happened. And now after the Meritich price, I like it even less. Does that make sense? It makes all the sense in the world. But I do think that there's a way it works too. I think if you have a stretch for like, what's Philly's problem? They don't have enough shooters. Butler's not a knockdown shooter, even though, you know, you still have to guard him out there. Simmons is somebody who won't even take the shot. They'd rotated around with different things like Mascala would close some games. Uh, Shamit, who I liked, um, and both guys defensively, it was a problem. And then depending I on like how they Shammett use. I like Shamit too. Right. Uh, but I hear Sixers arguments. It's like, well, whatever. He's not a rental. It's like, yeah, but you're, you're trading assets is if you know it isn't a rental. Yeah, and you if, don't know that. You what don't if he's know unhappy? That. What if right. he doesn't enjoy being the fourth option on a team and is like, I'd rather go to Brooklyn? Look back at it historically for a guy like Tobias Harris, who's who's good, but he also put up big numbers on a Clippers team that really was void of scores. Like when Avery Bradley's the other guy on your team, you're going to get a lot of shots. Ask Isaiah and Thomas. And that's the thing. Okay? He, was a, he was a 21 and 8 guy on a team that actually needed him to shoot 17 to 20 times a game. And now he's a guy who's really not going to get a lot of shots. And I think... You and I have both played basketball. I think <laughs> I think people don't understand sometimes basketball is hard. It's hard to like be marginalized. It's hard to go from 35 <laughs> minutes a game to 18. It's hard to go from 18 shots to 10. When I this watched isn't, this isn't a computer. I watched the other night and like I know no one likes Jimmy Butler anymore, but I watched what was happening in that game they lost to Toronto. Yeah. And if I were Jimmy Butler, I would have been pissed off. Yeah. Like Embiid, they gassed Embiid. They got kind of got back into the game after being down almost 20. Embiid was incredible. Like, I have these moments with Embiid I where I Embiid. go, man, like, why can't he be the best player in the league right yeah, now? Why like, not? is he, is, is like, is Joel Embiid the best player in the NBA? And there's moments on my couch, I'm like, it's not crazy to say that. He might have the highest ceiling out of anybody it's, unless Davis is healthy and playing. It's so stupid how good he is. But then I see, like, Butler making a cut. And they bring Butler back in with three and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. So, of course, he's seething. Yeah. He's like, what do you, what do you, like, I understand, like, Brett Brown has a hard thing to deal with here. He's trying to stagger the stars that don't fit well. And, you know, not to make it always about the Celtics, but, like, when you look at different teams that were successful, the greatest thing about that Celtics team in 2008 was that all of them had accepted failure or experienced big-time failure. Yeah. Individually. And they were all older and they were all over it. And the most important thing from a basketball standpoint is they all played in different places on the floor. Right. They all did. And Ray basically had to sacrifice the most. Shout out to Ray because he reminds everybody of that every single month. Now, <laughs> Miami, you know, Bosch was going to be the guy. Bosch yeah. was going to be like somebody was going to have to sacrifice. When you're this young and you haven't experienced failure, really, because now you're just, hey, I've got my contract. I've got my brand. I got well, my also, you're going to be a free agent soon. It's like. You don't, you can't sacrifice yet. Philly, you don't think of it. Philly wins. The best situation for them is if Jimmy Butler's like, I'm the glue guy. Yeah. Like Let some me, nights I'll get I'm you gonna, 25. I'm going to do everything I can to help right. this team win. Don't worry about me and shots. He's never going to do that. <laughs> no, he's never. And then like, I, he gets back into the game. They're trying to salvage his thing. There was a horrible call on Shaman, an offensive foul call. Like it, it, whatever. I don't want to get too into the weeds here. They got kind of back into the game, but it's Butler's cutting baseline. Like Simmons is trailing him two feet behind. And Butler's like, what, what, yeah. what are you doing? And then Simmons will sit there and he'll work the post and he worked Kawhi in like two post possessions. And you go, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so impressive. And then another play, they ran somebody in to him and just brought everybody over. And they're all looking at each other being like, why are you bringing somebody down into the post when I have a one-on-one -on -one here and I've just won this, this, uh, this matchup twice? So I could see where there's a version of this deal where Tobias Harris, just as a player, 
as a stretch four, he was a low usage guy to get 20 a game, which is important. Yes. Okay. It's not like you're bringing in somebody else who always has the ball in his hand. You're not getting Dion Waiters. But I'm just, I'm a little worried that when it already hasn't worked with Butler and the other two guys, why is a fourth score? Is he just going to fit in? Is, is, is it going to make them really hard to guard? Or is it going to be another guy that gets in Butler's way? Well, and and that, I, I think are both fair, those are both fair questions. And to it's a weird roster that it's not very flexible. I like the rosters that they can go small, they can go big. They can, if you have Devin Booker on the other team and he's just hot, who's shutting him down? It feels like TJ McConnell is going to be more important than I think Philly would have wanted because he was important last year in the playoffs and that went badly. Imagine how, like, think about he's how he's going to have to play in the playoffs they now were for them. Better with TJ in the playoffs. Yeah. But that, but I don't think that's a road to the title. I, I just felt like they needed to get, uh, some sort of combo guard or two guard, or I would have rather done that than Tobias Harris. Do you think Harris tells you they're not resigning Jimmy? Maybe. I don't I know. Mean, I mean, I know. They I said know they're gonna going to just keep great. everybody. Yeah, but that's you just think you you've no idea if that's true. You make a trade for that, and the guy's like, "Yeah, it'd be great. I'd love to resign there, but he's going to become a free agent and do whatever the hell he wants." You know, moment he becomes a free agent, now you have all these other teams like, "Hey, man, what if we do this and that?" and he starts looking at it. I was like, do I really want to be the fourth guy in Philly? Plus, he's been traded four times already. He's going to want to go somewhere stable. If you go in Philly and it doesn't work out, who are they trading? Not Simmons, not Embiid. They're trading the next two guys that have the giant contracts. Yeah, right. So I'll get my money. I almost feel like these big contracts now are just sort of like a, hey, do you want to sign your money deal and then worry about the rest of your career later? <laughs> we, uh, we're going to break down the rest of uh, the trade deadline, the winners and losers on the BS podcast, which you'll have to listen to. We're going to end this uh, live YouTube Twitter feed. We enjoyed having you, though. Thank you. Um, and we'll take a break. Let's take a break to talk about High Flying Bird. You might have heard Steven Soderbergh on this podcast, Academy Award winner, one of the only people ever nominated in the same category in the same year tw for two different movies. Uh, it is a Netflix film about the NBA, ironically. It's a lockout. Players, owners are negotiating a new agreement. Nobody's willing to budge. Does any of this sound familiar? Well, in this movie, some players are getting more desperate than others. Like one of the league's newest stars, Eric Scott, gets himself into some financial trouble even before stepping on the court. What a rookie move that is. Fortunately for him, his agent, Ray, played by Andre Holland, great actor, has his back. Plans to make some cash during this seemingly endless lockout. But when the owners find out what Ray is up to, they realize there is now a game on top of the game. I really like this movie. I thought it was cool. I uh, What's interesting is it's a basketball movie with no basketball in it, but uh, very authentic. A couple twists and turns at the end and ties into this whole player empowerment era that we, uh, we've been talking about during this podcast. Watch High Flying Bird right now. Uh, starting, I think, February 8th. So Friday. Yeah. Friday, February 8th. Watch High Flying Bird only on Netflix. You might have heard of it. All right, back to the pod. We're back. It is now 1221 Pacific time. Raptors sending Greg Monroe in a second round pick to Brooklyn. Old Haas. Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe. The, just five years too late. Yeah, really. 90s would have been awesome for him. He, we, we, you would have had a poster of him. 98, he would have been like a 2010 guy making $20 million a year forever. Uh, the law right. firm of Monroe and Valanchunas. <laughs> <laughs> let's, go through, uh, let's go through some of the winners and losers. 
I'm going to do it by um, contenders. So the Bucks, they got rid of Thon Maker or Thon McCor, as some people like to call no him. No way. Did he have a new? It's apparently the correct pronunciation is McCor, but I, I, for me, it's Thon You know Maker. my thing on foreign guys on draft night. Uh-oh. What is it? I go, that's that's not my fault if I get this wrong because you're just going to change the pronunciation after a couple couple years. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lock. You're going to make it, you're going to Americanize, Americanize. Yeah. So, so Meritage for basically, they turn Thonmaker into Stanley Johnson, then throw him into a second trade with Jason Smith's expiring for Meritage and threw in some second rounders. That is to me. You had a real piece. You're getting rid of guys who aren't playing for you for a guy who can now play in crunch time. I give that an A. Sixers, they basically trade the Miami 2021 pick, the Philly first, Shamet, Shamet? Yeah. Shamet? No, he has the second one, Landry Shamet. I want to call him Shamet, though. Give it a year or two. He might. Shamet? Maybe he'll change. (laughs) Where is he from? Shamet? Lithuania? I don't think he is. Uh, I think he's from the States. They trade that. They trade faults. They get back. Oh, and they trade Muscala. They get back Tobias Harris, Mike Scott, Boban, and Jonathan Simmons, basically. Simmons is uh, a nice little grab for them. If I've you, always if, liked Simmons. If you need to throw in somebody to defend, if you have a closing group. Like, I like teams that, you know, the, the whole depth thing is, is overrated probably in the playoffs. Like, over the years, like, Toronto has so much depth. They have so much depth. But like, well, are there two stars going to make any shots? Because the depth yeah. doesn't matter if you guys aren't doing anything. But... I do like teams that can throw a fifth guy in there to close a game that's different than maybe the game before or the series before. This and, is my case for Schroeder on OKC. Yeah. I like guys that can win game four on the road just randomly. Like Jonathan Simmons is one of those guys. They could be playing in Toronto, game four, game five, whatever, and he could come in the third quarter and score 16. He'd be like, whoa, Jonathan Simmons, where's this coming from? But he is one of those guys. Because remember uh, yeah. on the Spurs, like it would be like well, everybody's better not, on the Spurs. No, but remember yeah. he's like he's not Kawhi, but every once in a while, kind of reminds you of Kawhi, and it would be like once every three, four weeks. Yeah, because it was this, this real thing. Like they were doing stories on him on Sports Center. Yeah. like where did they, was he from Houston or something like that? Yeah. And so I don't mind those when you have a playoff team. If that's your ninth man, and occasionally he might come in and be awesome, that's a good. Bellinelli's like that too. Yeah, Bellinelli's like Bellinelli that. Bellinelli's like, oh shit, Bellinelli's got 22 in the third quarter. Yeah, because I think there's always kind of this line between like a lot of things, like confidence and now you're just fucking us up every single possession. That's Reggie Jackson's game, you know? And, and kind of the worst of Terry Rozier. Yeah, when it's not going right because he's like, wait a minute, didn't I almost get us to the NBA Finals last yeah, year? And you're I'm like, gonna yeah, I'm going to launch another 25-footer yeah. with 18 seconds left. <laughs> um, I, I kind of felt like Schroeder was in that group when I watched him in Atlanta. Yeah. Like it was very much like, hey, you know, making somebody the guy when they got rid of Teague and, hey, Dennis, now it's, it's your team. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess I have to always have the ball in my hands. You're like, well, that doesn't always. But when I've watched OKC, I've liked them so much more this year. Me Knowing too. that I've always kind of doubted Westbrook late in the game. I'll believe the Paul George thing in the playoffs when I see it in the playoffs because that Utah series is really tough to scrub from the brain. Yeah. Because it was it's awful. Fair. There's no way that that OKC team, even – in a different mold and the uncertainty. There's no way they should have lost to Donovan Mitchell. But that was like, it's like when Kyle Perry self-destructs in these big Kentucky Final Four games when Westbrook just kind of lost his mind. He had, he was like maniacal. When somebody has that kind of energy, they're so frantic like that, I really does think it hurts the team. There's yeah, a I think, franticness to that 
playoff run where you could kind of feel them unraveling. Yeah, and you you know the other four guys are going, I'm not getting the ball here. And I'm not getting the ball, and this guy's like yeah. wired. But as I've watched them this year, Denver, it's fun. Houston, this has been incredible what Harden's been able to do, and it's actually been necessary. And yeah. now Paul is back. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't even, you know, if the Lakers, even when before LeBron had gotten hurt and missed a month, but OKC, it's so identifiable who they are. Everybody in the team knows their role. And they play Sh- really hard. Been better for them because they've paired him up there and allowed Russ to play off. Yeah. Which is like, when you see him off the ball, it's the weirdest thing because you're just, we were used to a decade of him initiating everything. Yeah. Um, other than obviously when KD was there and he'd be off of him. But they, to me, are, are like, I know what they are right now, even if I'm going to have, like, well, I'll watch the playoffs and be like, okay, like, let's see. So the regular season's been great. And I, in a way, I think they were almost overlooked. I think that's the team the Warriors are, I don't think they're afraid of anybody, but if you had to be like, who's who's probably the matchup that makes you uneasiest? Yeah, because don't you think that would be, be the most, that's, that's easily the most emotional matchup. It's emotional. Like, what's going on? It's a really hard place to play. It's just really loud. The fans are crazy. Adams has always been a problem for them. Paul George against Durant, he could at least like try to play him to a standstill. And then Westbrook versus Curry has always been an issue for them. You know, it's the athleticism that Westbrook has, and he just really goes at Curry. And he's been a better defender. Like, he's always been this athletic, but he always took too many chances. And I think watching him this year, it's just been, it feels more solid. I don't know. Like, it's a team. And then I think Jeremy Grant's really turned into a valuable playoff guy. That dude fucking plays hard. I put him on my honorable mention trade value list. I was like, I really like watching this And how did you feel about him two years ago? I wasn't a fan. I could I couldn't stand him. Yeah. And and then as I slowly watch it, then I started hearing from other teams be like, you know who we might kick the tires on is Jeremy Grant. I was, Fer- like, I was like, I don't think and Ferguson, Ferguson even something. like he'll get no so you'll look at the game. Yeah. If you don't watch him, you'll just go, he sucks. Yeah. And you go, well, that I don't dude know. plays hard and is athletic. Yeah. So they have a lot of different things to throw out there. They're athletic where, and they're physical and they and Paul George, for whatever reason, has turned into a closer at the end of games. It's and I don't sick. know if they can like, last. Right. He's he's been incredible. But he's but a closer. It'll be you know, Westbrook, I think, played a big part in them falling apart when they're up 3-1 against Golden State. Yep. Uh, Durant so didn't play great either. There's all these things in my head that I know are going to, like, impact how I feel about them. But when I watch the West, you know, every night, you're just clicking through all the games. I know who they are. And even with my doubts, I like them better than everybody else except for Golden State. Yeah, Denver, like, one of the reasons I watched that Denver-Brooklyn la- game last night was I was just curious because— I think Brooklyn is the the prototypical. You you feel like you can beat them in a playoff series, but at the same time, you actually have to beat them, yeah. and they're going to come at you. They're they're actually pretty well coached now. I don't know if that was always the case. Um, they have a bunch of different guys and go one on one. They have Did some three point shooters. Congratulate Malone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, I bet Brooklyn thinks they can beat Denver tonight, and they went at them toe to toe, and I think. One of the weird subplots of this season is nobody's afraid of really anybody, not even Golden State. You watch these teams, Sacramento, playing Golden State, and it's not like, oh, bow down to the two-time champs. They're like, we're going to fucking beat you. Fuck you. And um, it just there's a variance now between the threes and the fearlessness of the teams that I think is really fun night to night. I like it. Well, I think part of that non-fear of Golden State, though, is like you can see picking spots. Now, granted, that Spurs game is not a good example because the Spurs were missing 
their guys. Right. But as as somebody that's never liked Cousins while also appreciating his talent, it's brutal now. It's brutal because he can pass. It actually should be a bigger story. It's watching they it. They went is, from Kavan Looney to... Right. To to Marcus Cousins <laughs> and my and thing we is all like, thought he wasn't healthy, but then it's like oh he's like eighty five percent like that's a hundred times better than Kevon Looney. I had heard that there was a chance they could have him ready to go by Christmas, and then it was just let's just push it off, push it off. I so had heard that healthy. he might not be back. There was like a stretch really? six weeks ago where I was like, "What's going on with Cousins?" They were like, "Ah, let the home stretch has been rough." Oh no, kidding! Yeah, because then all of a sudden he was playing. Yeah, uh, I went to that first game against the Clippers. And you see like a pick and pop and he pulls up and hits a three. And you're like, okay, that's a little different than Jordan Bell. Well, and also uh, the, the big thing for me are the screens. And now he fouls guys. on half of them, but, yeah, but he is. Yeah. Now he, he's, his screens thing, are ridiculous. He's, I've, I've watched almost all the games he's been back because I just want to, he's going to lose his shit again, by the way. Yeah, he will. That, that part, his, everyone is out to get him angst from start of the game. That's not gone. Like I've seen some guys say, hey, this is, He's finally at rest. He's finally at peace with everything. No, he isn't. Not, they're just winning. And they there's have, a million other guys. He is going to like have his moment because you can already see it happening. They have three of the moodiest guys in the league. Durant is, is up Shurepko. and down. Durant will have things where he doesn't talk to anybody for like two weeks. Yeah. Boogie. When is, you guys text during that time. Boogie, how he, well, he doesn't return text. <laughs> Boogie. Super moody, obviously, legendarily so. And then Draymond just night to night. So not Jerebko. Not Jerebko, I think is pretty solid. But that's that's just, it's a volatile team is my point. And in the playoffs, that could be what undoes them. It could be like, we're up 2-1. We thought this series was going to be over. OKC's fighting back against us. They just erased a 15-point lead. Draymond just had a call go against them. And now Draymond and Booger are upset. And now all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Like, they do have that potential. Yeah, I, I guess. But I still, when I watch it all move around. Well, from I, a talent standpoint. Yeah, and I think the Cousins part did motivate them. It's ridiculous. I, I think it's... I was it's, saying it was like Bison Dele in 97 multiplied by like three. Where, the, where this team that was really, really, really good anyway, just is like, we're going to add this. Here's something you haven't seen from us. Bison Dele. Remember Bison Dele? Remember Absolutely. they post him up? Yeah. Spread the floor good with passer. him. And run underneath. I, he was good that year. Uh, other trade deadline winner losers. So are you? What, what grade would you give the Sixers for all of this? They squandered every asset they have, basically, for Tobias Harris, Jonathan Simmons, Boban, and Mike yeah, Scott. But see, I like the Simmons part. The Fultz thing is I'd love to go back and read all those. But what were they going to say? I just feel, I feel bad about Markell, about the whole thing. But they must not have loved how how the rehab was going with him or they didn't understand it. Uh, I think at some point you just got to move on. The asset, the second- We're almost for, there with right. nephew Kyle. We're like, he's at the 11th hour. I'm just kidding. I want to see if you're paying attention. Jesus. The second, uh, everybody's favorite part of the, the dual threat podcast is when Kyle just laughs in the background with his mic on. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my friends was like, how much did you hate that at first? I was like, I don't think I loved it at first. And now it's my favorite part. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's validation. It's grown on me yeah. that like it's an audience of one. It's like that. It's old, all genuine. It's never yeah. fake. Do you remember he, that talk show in the '90s, early '90s? Maybe it was Comedy Central, where they used to have like a talk show. It was like the audience of one. Who was that? Charles Grodin. 
I don't remember that you one. You don't remember that show? No. You, this is right up your alley. This is all your stuff. There was this guy who had this late night talk show where he used to just have an audience of one and it would be a guy and they would show him and he would wait. <laughs> That's a That's, good idea. Yeah, I actually it's love it. It's a good it. web series. Right. So, um, so I'm going to give him a B minus because I can talk myself into it being a ridiculous price paying. Like I just, the, the whole, hey, we're going to resign him. We're going to resign him. Yeah, but you're paying the price nobody else would pay. You're yeah. paying the price as if it's already a done deal and you don't know that it's a done deal. But I also can understand the stretch, the stretch four. He's not, he's going to have nights where he doesn't get any shots. There's going to be nights where Jimmy Butler's going to be pissed again. Um, I don't know how it works with Simmons. I don't know what Brett Brown's going to do with all that stuff, but at least I know he's added like two easily, what one top four and a top eight guy. So I'm not going to give him a worse grade just because I think the price was high. I'm giving him a C minus because I think they should have gone for Miritich instead. All right. And I feel like that Harris trade is there at 11 o'clock this morning. No, no need to do that two days ago. Where, where else was he going? Who else is offering the Miami 2021 pick for Tobias Harris? Nobody I don't know how they got league. two first. I can't believe they gave up two can't first. Can't believe it either. Right. Uh, is that trade historically, you're lucky to get a first. Can Never you do a Brett Brown impersonation for us? He's got, well, I'm, I'm kind of under the weather, so that would work. Uh, it's like usually, a combo New Hampshire, Rhode it's Island. It's really accent. weird. It's tough. There's a lot of Rhode yeah. Island in it. Yeah. Rhode Island has, that's so smart of you because my you. grandmother and my grand, my grandparents, I guess is how most people reference their grandparents. Uh, they're both from Providence and there's a different accent than the Boston accent. So the Boston accent is, has the fuck you in it. Right. It's, it's the, you think you're better than me. Yeah. It's got that. The Rhode Island does not have that. But it just is like exaggerated. Kind of like Cavell. Yeah, it's like a JFK Junior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, I get a, the thing about Joel Embiid. Like when they go to Atwell Avenue in The Sopranos, when he goes to like hire the old guys and all hooked up to oxygen <laughs> and they're trying to find somebody to pull a hit. So they're like, go to Atwell Avenue because it's known in mafia circles in Providence because Providence yeah. is, well, just go ahead and Google it, kids. And so um, I had an aunt and uncle that lived on River Avenue and I had an uncle that played on the freshman team at Providence. And the Mulaney's were tight with my family. So like there's some real Rosillo Providence ties there. Mm. So when they had the Atwell Avenue scene, my father thought it was the greatest thing. And like J Tony and I think, is it Tony and Chris or Tony and Paulie show up? What to, season was that? I forget. They go to Atwell Avenue in Providence to hire them for a hit. And the people look like corpse. <laughs> <laughs> and the woman comes out and she's like, do you want some cake? It's Cavell. Yeah. And it was like. The fact that David Simon and the producers knew they were like, there's a Providence accent that's not a Boston accent, and they fucking nailed it. Like, so that's that what's shows. weird is that Brett Brown's is more Providence than New Hampshire. Yeah, so I can't. It. I can't. I don't think I can do it. We're still working our way right. through kinks with uh, right. Jimmy Butler, but I, I, it's like a, almost. You know, we're like trying a to. We're trying to win games here. Now, see, I can't. I'm too. It's, I, it's too Boston. Yeah, I can't. Uh, the Raptors. Vermont one's a different one. Raptors. Marcus all basically for Valanciunas and Deion Wright in the second round pick. I like Deion Wright. Uh, did not seem like a lot. That feels DeLon? like about... DeLon Wright, sorry. Right. Uh, I just 50, want to make sure. No, Because whenever um, who he played for comes DeLon. up, I, I get I, upset when I miss one. Um, that's like 60 cents on the dollar? Well, Gasol's what? He's got... I wrote all this shit down last night. He's um, got one more year. Yeah, it's his year. Uh, 26, just under 26 player option. I would have loved to see Conley go there. Me too. He's got two more. I would have liked to see Conley get out of Memphis. Is maybe I my thought point. Conley was going to go to Detroit. That just that seemed Conley like a Detroit thing was happening. Yeah, was, they were going to have to take back Reggie Jackson, but then Detroit was going to have to take on my man Chandler Parsons. Oh my god, who still has some money owed to him. Uh, that's that was probably one of the strongest rumors. It was a it was a Detroit Conley thing. 
and then all the salary moving around because they wanted to get Reddy Jackson well, you know out of there. Where he was going to go is if or, Oladipo, or Utah. If Oladipo never got hurt, you think Indy would have? I think it. Indy does it in five seconds. Plus, he's from there. I, I would have loved to no see brainer. Conley out of Memphis. No diss to Memphis. You know what I mean? I think yeah, even it Memphis just sucks fans. that he's not going to be on a playoff team. Right. Utah, the numbers never match with Utah because Favors would have had to be in the trade. And at that point, why are you doing that? Yeah, you know, I don't love Favors. He ended up not being the guy I thought he would be. Favors and Rubio for Conley is actually like a lot. And I don't know what that does for Memphis. That weirdly makes them, instead of making them worse for a lottery pick, it weirdly makes them kind of neutral. But I also think the problem is, is that there's still some small lineups, despite Gobert's defensive prowess, that like I've seen him pulled from from a game or two. I don't, I don't buy Utah at all. I well, think that's no, but a beatable I, team. I think the problem though that I'm saying, like, I think they're looking at it going, hey, even if we don't love favors and we can add Michael Conley, like, who are we going big with when we go small? And I, I mean, I just I, this don't is a think guess, that does, I don't think that, does that help them make the finals? No. How much do you think Toronto's just like, Marcus Saul? Sweet. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they did. They're just like, let's just try this too. And the fact is, Abaka has been probably the best Abaka that we've seen in a long time. It's, it's bizarre because it seemed like his career was over. almost over two years ago. And people were like, is he like 38? Yeah, like nobody knew. Totally. Nobody could understand it. He was like an El Duque. Yeah. Like, what's, wait a minute. But Congo, now, <laughs> what, let's see your records. But now he. Uh, Who filled out this form? Now he looks great. Um, I like that trade for them. I'm going to give them a B plus. Now, the catch is, can Gasol hold up for a whole season? Um, he already looked like he was. Uh, Looked a little long in the tooth as this year went along. He was really good the last couple of weeks. Can you get four playoff rounds out of him playing yeah. 28 minutes a game? Can you do this? Can you just bank on the fact that he's going to be energized? He's incredibly smart. He does not like he needs to be an athlete. Huge head. You know, just a crank of that a dome. A he's a one-notcher. Imagine trying to get an adjustable for God. him. God. Sabonis had the biggest head in NBA history, but Gasol is like an eight and a half out of 10 on the Sabonis scale. Trying to think. I mean, Sabonis, it looked like his head was going to tip over and roll off and roll out down the court. There was a guy for the Texas Rangers that had just a fucking epic dome. Well, remember Bruce, Bruce, who, Bruce Bocci? Bruce Bocci? Bruce Bocci? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you would have thought something was wrong with him. But like, did you get a head transplant? No, he had like a size eight and a half head. Eight and a half is huge. Like you show up to Lids and they go, hey, dude. Like, we're, we're, we have hats for human beings. Bonds was like a nine there for two years. I don't know how that happened. That's your guy. That's my guy. I sat next to him in a game. His what did you guys totally talk about? Now. Didn't talk about how huge his head was. He stopped doing those neck raises. Yeah. Whenever you go to the gym and you see a guy with just plates hooked up to a neck brace <laughs> and he's going back up, he's like 48. I love when you bring the right. gym into it. Well, you're just like fullback. <laughs> <laughs> Which year did you play fullback? I'm like, I'm still a fullback. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, Celtics did zero. Nothing. I didn't think they were going to do anything. I think I think once they well, knew, dirty secret, they're playing pretty well. Oh yeah, that by the way, yeah, they're it, like kind of funny? on the radar. The fifth best team in the league, third in point differential. They're nine and one in their last ten. Have you they seen almost, the numbers? I don't know if it yeah. was. I don't know. Somebody who covers the Celtics was tweeting out their point differential and records since a certain date. Yeah, and like the date was removing. I, I actually was shocked that it was that good. It was like the number one or number two point yeah. differential from the beginning of December. I think the problem is, is that there's still been some losses in there where you go, what the hell is that? Um, but there's, they there's, had the, they had that loss, the Kyrie yelling at Gordon Hayward loss. And then another, that was loss the Orlando right game. Now. yeah, there was hopefully they know two how to in play there that Orlando. made everyone think they were doing bad. Yeah. 
But actually, they're playing really well, and they probably would have beaten the Warriors if Hayward yeah. hadn't done anything. It always it always is like a nice reminder of, like, whenever I think I get behind in watching games and stuff, and I'll watch a TV show and be like, oh, you guys haven't fucking watched anything in forever. Because nobody, I haven't heard anybody be like, the Celtics have really figured this thing out. Yeah. And maybe it's just the standard for what they are is so high that it's still not enough. But I don't feel like anybody's talked about the fact that they've actually played really well. And they have... You know, they went from this stretch where they were getting the worst schedule breaks possible and catching everybody during their hottest break. Of the, I sound like a Celtic apologist, but they they were they're coming out of the East. They no, I don't know yet, but it's just for the first time they're catching schedule breaks. Right, they're playing the Lakers tonight. This is a great night to play the Lakers tonight. Out of all nights, feels like think, a win. What they're do you playing think the Clippers two nights from now after they've just traded all these dudes? This would be the kind of content I want. This is the content for the future. What is it? Is that you with a runny nose. Me with a runny nose. Uh, you go up to Commissioner Silver, if you're ESPN, and you say, 10 games a year, we get to pick all access. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And That's it. You can't us. say anything. Right. It's hard you, knocks for five hours. Right. We'll throw in however much more you want. Yeah. And then you go, hey, it's the guys over down in Bristol. We're going to send a caravan up to the garden. Yeah. And we want full coverage of the Lakers pregame speech. Right. We unedited. Celtics right now are 35 and 19. They're three games behind the Raptors. And they are six in the lost column behind Milwaukee. I don't know if they're catching Milwaukee. The other thing that's interesting. You yeah, know, like I just I just think it's worth mentioning that they yeah, they've that they turned have the this, fifth best record I in the league. I still think I like Toronto better than all the teams in the East. So the other thing that's weird, so we're at the two-third mark basically right now. Okay. Milwaukee would have home court if the season ended today. So Golden State's 38 and 15, and it seemed like they were going to go on like this 25-game winning streak. Then they lost that Philly game. Yeah. I still think they're going to go on a streak. I could see them coming out of the All-Star break and winning like 20 straight. But um, I don't know. I, I'm still a believer in home court. I think it matters. And, and for Golden State to have to win on the road in the finals is still not easy. They were able to do it last year because, or two years, what was the year? Two no, years Houston, ago? No, Houston, they didn't have it. Houston, they didn't have it. Yeah, right. They Houston, won in Houston, yeah, right. they but they Houston. fucking sweated it out. That was hard. You know, it's not easy. I think OKC, the year that they almost beat Golden State in 16, the fact that Golden State came back in five and seven was because five and seven was at home. That just helped them. So I think th I think that is a sub. I hadn't really watch. even thought about it because you're right. Like they were the fastest to forty, and then Denver's the fastest of forty they've ever had. Um, Denver's I'm not taking them seriously as much as I enjoy them. Uh, Celtics nothing. Pacers really did nothing. Nets did nothing. I thought the Nets were going to get frisky. Rockets. I heard they were not going to. Source told me we won't be frisky. <laughs> Sources say. I saw that on the bottom line. Rockets <laughs> turned Brandon Knight's contract, which went through next year, James Ennis and a conditional first, basically, into Iman Shumpert, who by all counts is a great chemistry guy. Right. And Sacramento was like depressed night of when they heard it. I... I don't know why I, Sacramento did that unless they had to do it because it opened up the Barnes trade. Well, at least they didn't do what Phoenix did, which was, hey, we're going to bring in a couple of vets to help our young guys. We're like, all right, DeAndre, did you get everything you needed from Tyson Chandler in the two weeks? Okay, cool. We're going to trade him yeah, now yeah. And, and give him to LeBron because James Jones is running the shop now. And then Trevor that, Reza. By the way, that was. That was, that was ridiculous. And then. Also, like, 
why not keep Tyson Chandler until the trade deadline and then buy him out after that? Because he's an expiring contract. You might have been able to throw him into some massive trade. That's like negligence. No, that's 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 just, I mean, that was the kind of stuff. And that's why there's been so much an, uh, anti-Anthony Davis to the Lakers stuff. It's because teams around the league are like, so let me get this straight. James Jones get the GM gig. And then next thing you know, Tyson Chandler, because LeBron needed him, is on. And then they, everybody thought like the Ariza thing was going to happen too. Right. And you're like, wait a minute, he's going to send these two dudes when Phoenix supposedly brought these guys in. And I do think that there's a nice thing about having some vets around. Like this this obsession with everyone having to be within the same two or three year window when you're rebuilding, that everybody has to be between 21 and 23, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But um, the Houston thing, like Daryl, Daryl doesn't get enough credit, Daryl Morey here, because he actually did something in the playoffs where Golden State didn't look like Golden State, and it was a possibility that they were going to get knocked out in a year no one thought it was even possible. And I know that's not a ring. I know it's not even getting to the NBA Finals, and we're real hard markers here um, about how we do this stuff. But, like, to me, Daryl deserves credit for that. Like, he deserves some— and he You finds, know where he is? He's in the critically acclaimed Hall of Fame with the 2007 Suns. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Not incapable of winning a ring. Critically acclaimed. Yeah. We'll, we'll remember them fondly. That The team that almost pulled it off, and if Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt, he pulled all the strings and it almost happened. Critically acclaimed. I, I'm in full agreement there. The only thing I wish, I would say, I, I want one day Daryl Moore to get a ring because he was so doubted. People shit on him around the league. We're like, what's this guy going to do? He's oh, going to get fired before that Harden trade. If they, if that Harden trade doesn't happen, I think he's gone in a year. Yeah, maybe. Um, you would know better than I. But Remember? Because he had those three first-round picks, yeah. and then it was like the Royce White draft. Yeah, yeah, the Royce so, White yeah, thing. we got Jeremy Lamb, Royce White, and somebody else who wasn't great. Yeah. I was like, here, this is our big haul. Okay. I was um, – the only other thing I'd like to happen with Daryl – is I would like Daryl to have to have his team face peak Harden and Harden get the calls against Daryl's team in the playoffs. Mm. Can I read you a tweet from the Ringer NBA? Yes. At Ringer NBA, good Twitter feed. The Sixers essentially traded Jason Tatum and an unprotected Kings first rounder. Oh, I hate when this happens. For Jonathan Simmons, a Cavs second, and a pick Philly already held at one point. <laughs> yeah, when you put it that way. <laughs> so, that, so that was bad? Uh, Robin, Lo <laughs> Robin Lopez buyout guy. He'll go to the Warriors, right? Yeah, I had heard what, that, that your, was... Give, rank your favorite buyout guys for me. Um, Is Rolo one? Would you put Wes Matthews above him? No. How about Wayne Ellington? Wayne Ellington doesn't do much for me anymore. None of those guys. He had a nice that. stretch. It's probably Robin Lopez because I think he just makes things hard on the opponent. You know, like you can't look at the numbers there. It's just... Hey, Lopez is in, and this is going to suck. Like, I'm going to have to deal with you because you're still into it. I remember you know? him in that Celtics playoff series. He was a problem. He's around the rim. Yeah. He's big. Yeah. He protects the rim. And he's kind of crazy. He knows who he is. Yeah. He's a little crazy. He's physical. Yeah. I think if you have the Warriors and you all of a sudden have Cousins and Robin Lopez just in your in your arsenal, it's pretty nice. A uh, couple more trades. Give me, what What other what are the buyouts? Are we, uh, oh, uh, Anus Canner. That's a hard pass. I don't like guys that talk shit and don't play in games. Fair. You wouldn't like them on the Celtics? I don't. I mean, yeah, you could ask. You could say, all right, if there's, there's a depth issue there with bigs. But I like Baines. And I, my, my guess for him would be Portland because they've been attracted. It's like, 
it's like when you're in college and you know, like one of your buddies likes the girl, but they were always dating each other, somebody else for a while. And you just know one night they're at senior year, they're going to look at each other and something might happen. Enos Cantor in Portland. They signed him to a giant offer sheet once. They did. But I mean, do you think you also could have been like, Hey, remember that night it almost went down with you and I? <laughs> Thank God. Thank God it didn't happen. Thank God it did it. Right. Now you have two kids. You married the guy who You married steals that from hockey the gas player station. gained 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> steals from the gas station. You know he doesn't even own that gas station. It's his uncle's. <laughs> Portland uh, traded crap for Rodney Hood. I don't know really what that did for them. The Kings traded Shumpert, Zebo, Justin Jackson, basically, for uh, Alec Burks and Harrison Barnes. People still like Alec Burks, which I think is interesting in itself. Uh, I'm not. I'm not in that group. There's probably you could you could put Rodney Hood in that group as well. Also, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't belong to either of those Facebook right. groups. I feel like whenever you look at like superstars, like Kobe talks to Kyrie and LeBron talks to this guy, and it's like, like Jeff Green's like my my dudes are Alec Burks and Rodney Hood, <laughs> right? But like Jeff Green DMs me all the time. Not so great. He's always telling me, like, if you disappear in a game, don't worry about it. There's another one tomorrow. I didn't realize until last night that Harrison Barnes was as well-liked as he is. Yeah, they loved him down there. Like, he's a pro. Yeah, we told him a- he might get traded. He wanted to play anyway. Yeah, that was what was so weird about the LeBron post is that, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why it was weird. But they told Harrison Barnes, like, you might get traded. And he's like, all right, I want to play. I'm still waiting for LeBron's first, first, like, big comment on something that changes the way I think about a subject. So you're saying he points out some things that tend to be obvious. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Right. The NFL. He's like, gets like, rid of you when you're no longer like if like LeBron, if LeBron was a, if LeBron was a political, like if he was in politics, he'd be like, we got to fix global warming. It's going to be really bad for everybody. And people would be like 85,000 likes. You did it again, LeBron. You waited. <laughs> You've changed our lives yet again with your Will wisdom. Will Kane's in the background. There's not enough evidence to support that. <laughs> uh, we all got to get along better. It's like, wait, just, just change my opinion on anything in life. Man, Facebook makes you think. <laughs> Facebook has to do better. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree uh, just, with that. If you, if you're going to use your platform to make it seem like you're being profound, just every once in a while, throw in something profound. Just one, it's once in a while. New rule. New, new rule. New just rule. Be profound every once in a while. Just try it. The problem is, is like anybody's afraid to like, almost like, it's like, I want to be profound, but I'm afraid if I actually say something profound, then I'm going to get killed for it. So I might as well just stay in the lane of mass approval. And that's kind of what happens that's to these guys. basically because, with social media. Right. I mean, because it sucks. Here's my mass right. approval tweet of the yeah, day. right. Like whenever there's some oh, sort man, of Oh, man, they natural... trade Harrison Burns. This is a business. Yeah. What? Like, they'll be friends of mine, and there'll be a natural disaster in a part of the country they've never been to. It'll be like, day ruined. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. It just really makes you think. You're like, are you ever going to think about this part of the country again today? I mean, I maybe I sound really harsh right could now. LeBron, what else could LeBron weigh in on? Jeweling? Jeweling? Jeweling. Let Jeweling's the kids bad. jewel. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> nephew, nephew Kyle's ordering a LeBron jersey right now. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Mango's fucking fire. Oh, man. What if he tweeted out, 
Fire Festival. When does it end? <laughs> like, dude, that was that was almost two years ago. Cigarettes are bad. Why do they sell these? <laughs> Don't drink and drive. LeBron, the master of the <laughs> master of the obvious. <laughs> Uh, more uh more trades where did you weigh in the weigh in on the auto porter for oh auto porter he's another one of my guys <laughs> that was no, amazing i'm going on to chicago in a little bit i know that waddle and silver are going to be pumped yeah that they got him and i'm going to go here's the deal you can run your offense through him there's some things that i saw from him at georgetown going all the way back i absolutely loved he hit some threes from the outside blah blah blah, blah. he's really good passer and then you're going to go a week and you're going to forget he's on the team that's Otto Porter. And you got him for $55 million the next two years. He 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 breaks my rule of if I'm at a game that you're playing in and I forgot you're on the court for a quarter and a half, you probably shouldn't make more than like $8 million a year by the current NBA salary standards. Andrew Wiggins is the ultimate example of this. You could go see Minnesota and it was like Wiggins will have like some 360 layup. He'll be like, when did he get here? <laughs> did he check in? <laughs> Was it? Was he late? Did you show up two minutes ago? And you realize but it's he's so played 38 true. minutes. It's so true. Aaron Gordon, the Orlando the Aaron Magic. Aaron Gordon's another there's, run. There's this whole, like, I've been on this now where I wanted to do, like, first, second, and third team. All I forgot you're on the floor. <laughs> when did you get here? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just, it's actually not a complicated process to decide who really is is an engaged, really good player. Yeah. Like, there's, there's all sorts of skill things. And, like, yeah, I mean, I make fun of the Jeff Green thing, but, like, remember watching him all the time with the Celtics and he would throw down a dunk in traffic on like a two power dribble and you're like, oh my James Worthy. God. You'd be like, where is that? And you'd be like, well, we'll do that again in a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm convinced yeah, Wiggins, that when Wiggins is a perfect example of it. Otto is like, there's skilled guys. There's skilled guys all over this league. But for whatever reason, and I think I think it's it's pretty like there's just certain guys that kind of go into a game already defeated. I don't know if it's a lack of self-confidence. I don't know if it's their situation. But like sometimes I think guys could just take it to another level when they just said, F this. I'm going to go out there and ball. And nobody can stop me. And not everybody's wired that way. And the guys that are wired that way, I know I try to check myself every now and then when somebody says something that I don't always like. It's like, yeah, but got to remember. Like Isaiah Thomas has said a bunch of stuff. Where I'm like, dude, but yeah. I also get why he says what he says because he's actually more wired than these huge guys that let us down all the time. At least I know Isaiah gives a crap, you know? That was a rant. Ryan, you and I both play basketball, or we used to. Obviously. I have a game this weekend. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, you have a game this weekend? Yeah. I don't want to call out the guys on... Uh, on your podcast again, because I get some DMs from a couple of them that were really upset. But you play, you, there's certain guys. I know in my 40s, I hit a point where I was like, I just want to be Meritage, stretch four. But I'll try. Like, I'll defend whoever. I'll try to get rebounds. And then there's the other guys who are just kind of running up and down. Yeah. Like, almost for the exercise. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that's Andrew Wiggins. It's like... He's like, I just oh, cool. want to get a run. Oh, cool. Yeah. This would be some good exercise. I'll burn some calories today. It's like, no, they're paying you $25 million a year. Do something. So if somebody didn't know him, they'd be like, hey, what are you up to? Be like, uh, yeah. getting a little get a run. Game. I, get, I get a game. I get some running. Oh, yeah. You play at the Bay Club? No, we're, we're playing the jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that trade was weird. I didn't understand it. I don't know why the Bulls would want to pay Otto Porter $26 million a year. I don't know why they wanted to make themselves slightly better when all they should care about is Zion Williamson. 
everything about it I didn't like. And for the Wizards, I actually thought it was smart. It's smart for the Wizards. There's other Wizards moves that they've been making here to get under that luxury tax threshold. Yeah, but here's the thing. They're going to – these all point to – like just because they have the worst contract in the NBA and wall doesn't mean they should be thinking of getting off of Beal. All they should be thinking now, of is trying Beale to make – The Beal thing sh- drives me nuts. He's right. 25. I'm not trading he's Bradley good. Beal. He's good. Now, is he perfect? No. He is he's a, 30, right. I get it. He's 25. Yeah. He's, so guess what you're going to do? You're just going to pay Beal a ton of money and keep him around. Beal's actually been better without Wall, even though yeah. I'm not one of those massive anti-Wall guys because even a couple years ago when he was healthy, he was he was awesome a couple years ago. Okay? Yeah, I love Beal. Um, but for Chicago, when it's defended as, well, they couldn't use their cap space on anybody anyway. And it's like so – I want to use it on Otto Porter for $56 million. But it also proves, like, whenever we see these deals and you go, and that's why the wall contract fascinates me, how many times have we said a deal, oh, you can't move that deal, you can never move that deal. Every deal is actually movable. I do believe that, except for John Walls. Well, remember, Gilbert Arenas' trade got dealt. I mean, deal got traded. Yeah, right. That was— um, And we thought that was—and then Chris Weber's deal got traded yeah. in the mid-2000s, which seemed impossible. Rafe LaFrance— Moved a couple times. I was researching happen. Rafe LaFrance the other day. Yeah, he got hurt. He I still think, yeah, I think nice uh, the young too. Rafe LaFrance, I think, was really good. Uh, last one, Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington for expirings, which allowed Miami to get way down in the tax. And Miami is kind of a sneaky one more trade away from being a player in free agency this summer. Yeah, they have a ton of terrible deals. On their books. Did, did we ever figure out why they lost their minds and I think just Riley tried to lock down so twelve mad. million dollar guys for two years? Yeah. Well, the cap went up. Um, that was so weird. I, it's the opposite of what I would do. I would never feel a need to just overpay non all stars if I ran a team. Yeah, like James Johnson in two years is going to have sixteen million on the books. Kelly Olynyk's fourteen. Dion Waiters is twelve and a half. Josh Richardson's eleven million. Winslow You don't is, like those contracts? Uh, well, the Hassan Whiteside $27 million player option That next was weird. Year. Who are they bidding against with that? I think he just looked at his PER and they went. I think Riley went absolutely mental for a, a post You think LeBron, LeBron like killed him? Yeah, I think he mentally. Thought, like, he thought he was riding the LeBron trade yeah. for 10 more years. In the retirement. Train for 10 more years. Yeah, so they have, yeah, they have a lot of contracts next year. That's actually going to be, if Dragic opts in, they're kind of screwed. And right, and Phoenix picked him up, right? Who? Tyler. Tyler. Yeah, right. So Phoenix still doesn't have a point guard? Just <laughs> <laughs> checking. Uh, I like the Richardson-Winslow combo for $23 million. Yeah, and honestly, Spo is so good that he covers up some of the problems. Like, I, I don't know. I know. By the way, I know we made fun of LeBron's social media before, but Jared Dudley had a, a thing I did like yesterday because it was about how Ryan Anderson got traded. And Ryan Anderson over the summer gave up money on next year's deal. He redid the next year of his deal, which it was $21 million now. It's going to be like sixteen to try to get traded to Phoenix to make that Brandon Knight trade work so that he'd have a chance to play in Phoenix. What happens? He goes to Phoenix. He doesn't play. Now he gets traded and he lost like five million bucks. And Jared Dudley was like, this is why guys should never give back money. Don't ever give back money. I'm like, you're actually right, Jared Dudley. Right? Yeah, well, you know what Ryan Anderson should have done? Be like, sure, I'd love to go to Phoenix. You can still send me the 21 million a year though. Yeah. I'm not giving back money. Fine. 
I'll just hang out here for 21 million then. Yeah, that was always the Morris twins thing. Like, I didn't really understand it because at first, in the beginning, I'm like, do you guys really think you get to play together in the NBA? Yeah, get no trade clauses. And then... But that's bad agents. The way, the way that deal was done, from what I'd heard, that was know, removed, was if you guys will let you stay together, but you get to sign these deals. And then as soon as they signed those deals, they were really, you know... They uh, became uh, right, trade great assets. Cha- trade chips. Yeah. So that was... Like, there's plenty of stuff that's out there. I mean, but how about on the other... Like, imagine doing Tim Hardaway Jr.'s deal with the Knicks... And also getting a 15% trade bonus in there. There's a 15% trade kicker on Hardaway's deal now with Dallas. Like who, why did you have to give Tim Hardaway Jr. a 15% trade kicker when the minute that deal was reported, everybody's like, are you serious? Well, what made that trade crazy was it was not a summer or deal. It was a summer of 2017 deal. Yeah, right. It, it wasn't can, the Evan Turner. It always gets lumped into right. the crazy no, 16 no, summer. And it yeah. wasn't. It was a year later. It was after we had already learned, don't give deals like this to guys who aren't all-stars. Listen, you can trace half the problems in the history of the NBA to teams going all in on guys who aren't all-stars. It's, it's the quickest way to murder your cap. It's the quickest way to watch somebody who overachieved, who is now getting paid, who tails off. It's never good. We never talked about the Porzingis trade. We could probably end on that note. Because nothing else happened, really. Przingis, his indoctrination into the NBA was Phil, which was bad, even though a lot of people around the league never thought that Phil old would man take Phil. him. Right, old man Phil, the bad version. Grumpy old men, part three. That's bad. Uh, I'll never forget you and I, we did an interview right after I was in Alabama. It was when I used to do the show solo sometimes on Fridays mm. from a college location if Scott wasn't working on that Friday and I would be like standing in a tent by myself doing a three hour national radio show, those were not the best shows I've ever done. And it was right when it was being rumored that Phil was going to come back to the Lakers. And some of the stories go that he wanted part ownership and that's why it didn't happen, whatever, whatever. And you made one of the funniest points ever is that they called Phil to like, see what he thought about something. And he was asleep. It was like nine o'clock. Oh, that was true. Yeah, no, it was totally true. Yeah. That part was totally they true. They called him right. and he was asleep at nine o'clock. Yeah. And you go, don't you see that's a huge problem? And I kind of like didn't pick up exactly what you were saying. And you're like, Ryan, you, you're going to run him. He's going to run your team. And he, he's not up watching. He's asleep. Right. <laughs> he's not watching o'clock. league pass. Right. Right. He's not watching the Denver Brooklyn game. So I think Porzingis kind of was like, what's the deal with this? And it's the Knicks and it's Dolan and it's mellow. And I don't shit on Mello. I feel like I say this every time I say Carmelo Anthony. I don't want to be lumped into the Mello sucks crew because, you know, the, the most recent success they've ever had was when Mello had like a flirty it's the, MVP. The Mello year. backlash is outrageous. Right. It's, it's too it's much. Really it's stupid. too much. And he never lived in that. He was a star. You made it another great point is that Mello, when he went up against the stars, saw himself. So he was never afraid. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, he got lumped in with the guys that really kill it in this league. Yeah. And he wasn't those guys, even though he put up some of those numbers. So anyway. He was Chris Pine. He wasn't Leo DiCaprio. I love Chris Pine. Chris Pine's great. Right. Chris Pine's great. But he's, he's not, not Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. You think Chris Pine will hear this and get pissed or he'll go, yeah, those guys are right. <laughs> we'll, we'll table that. We'll table that. LeBron's going to do an Instagram post about that. Why can't we leave Chris Pine alone? He's had a great career. Star Trek, Star Wars, both great. <laughs> Chris Pine's making money and making movies. Um, Jen Brown's husband kind of looks like Chris Pine. Yeah. Wes. That's has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just met him recently in Nashville. Really nice guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that just popped in my head. 
Probably because the cold medicine's kicking in. Uh, Persingis saw Mello's deal and yeah. was like, okay, he's pissed off. He's mad at Phil. So even if they had overhauled the front office, okay, and some of the same pieces there, they have some other new pieces. I don't think Przingis was ever going to do the Knicks any favors about like, hey, here's my plan. Here's was, my here's my issue with it. And I've had now almost a week to think about it. And I, I took hated, way too long to make my point. No, I no, I, I, really I got it. your point though. I hated the trade when it happened. You hated it for the Knicks or the Maps? I hate it for the Knicks. I, you don't trade a franchise guy in a rookie contract. You got to do better than cap space. And I know they got two firsts coming, but like, whatever. I'm with you. I, I just, so my, and but, I like him and I know he's hurt all the time. You got to do better than that. Sorry. My thing is, all right, you and I take over the Knicks, let's say a last summer. And somebody tells us, Hey, look, I think we have a chance to get Durant, maybe Kyrie too. Your job now to create cap space for two max contracts. Do whatever you do. Um, do your thing. My solution isn't to trade Porzingis to do that. I am exhausting every other possibility that exists to try to do this. I mean, like Tim Hardaway Jr., I'll give you 2021 and 2023 first round picks if you take Hardaway Jr. Courtney Lee, I'll stretch him. Like, Whatever I have to do, I'm creating Right, those I'm going to use all the tools. Yeah. Without right. giving up Porzingis, because it's just like, to me, the Porzingis contract, having somebody who next year could have been one of the four best guys on a potential contender on a rookie contract is the equivalent of like having Pat Mahomes on a rookie contract. It's, it, it's you can get two max guys and put them with Porzingis, who's a max guy making $5 million a year or whatever it was. That's the greatest advantage you can have in sports. And they fucking gave it away. So to read afterwards where everybody's like, well, you know, the Knicks, he knew, they knew he wasn't going to stay and they had to get rid of those contracts. So they had to do this. It's like, well, first of all, he didn't want to stay because they were assholes. And then second of all, they had to get rid of the contracts because they signed the fucking contracts in the first place. So it's like, I fucked up here. I fucked up here. I fucked up with this guy. So let's guy. use our, our so clearly now, best asset. Now here's to my get, get right. out of jail free yeah. card. I'm just going to give away my franchise guy. Now it's better. And oh, by the way, he was a dick. He didn't want to be here. It's like, he didn't want to be there because you didn't want him. You screwed it up. And that's the whole point of me telling you that long-winded story yeah. is that from day one, it just was always like a little different. But and make, I don't I don't know what the deal with you this know how easy it is. is to make the relationship better with somebody? It's not fucking hard. You have 12 guys on your team. I don't think he ever believed in it. matters. I, don't, I just don't think he ever believed in whatever they were doing, even as they changed it over, even as they went to Fizdale. Why would he? They have like seven GMs. I but don't I don't, like, he, what's his brother's role? Like, that seems weird to me too, though. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. I had that somebody one. told me that they were like the wild and crazy guys from SNL. I hope that's true. It's like, yeah. Hey. Like, hey, remember we went to Perzingus's place last night? <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. They had a ping pong table in the living room. <laughs> they put on they ace of bass. I just think that I because saw the sign. that was good. I because oh, that's what I just imagined at Perzingus. He hadn't played in night. a year. Everyone forgot how freaking good he is. He's He's so good. He's I, and a, I, right. Like right. an A minus rim protector. I, that's B the other plus thing too. Rim like, protector? like with the Anthony Davis stuff too. It's like, well, he's not. And you're going, do you know how this fucking league works? Do you know how hard this league is? It's the hardest league in sports to be a general manager in. There's no cap in baseball. There's a luxury yeah. tax. It doesn't really matter. And you can figure that shit out. Okay. You can, you can overhaul your thing. And if you put your money into minor league stuff, you can find a way to overhaul that. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed success. The NFL, you can bring in a coach. 
you know, the the contracts you can move on. Nothing is really even on the books more than three years. Everything right. else after three years is fake. This league is so hard to acquire talent. So you're going to sit there and tell me you don't like Anthony Davis because he's been on the injury list a little bit, or that yeah. maybe he's not an alpha. He might be the best player in the world right now at 25 years old, and you're going to nitpick him. And so, yeah, I get it. It'd be awesome if Porzingis was more healthy. But to use him in a deal where it helps you get cap space for deals that you're telling me you know in for the end of January. Crossed, right, right. Like, I hope we get KD. Like, Kyrie told the Celtics three months ago in front of all the season ticket holders that he was re-signing. If you'll have me back. If you'll have me back. He did a whole thing. Um, oops, I shouldn't have said, like, that was three months ago. How and now, fake does that feel now? But also, like, the fact that he did a 180 in three months because they lost a couple games. And now it's like, I don't know, ask me on July 1st. I'm so, t- don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. The Knicks are hitching their wagon to that. What if he changes his mind two months from now? What if they win? KD, what if they, what if they, up and down right. every day. You're hitching your wagon to that. I don't know. It's, at least I knew Porzingis. First of all, nobody passes, nobody signs the qualifying offer when it's like a $23 million difference. Name me, point me to the player who's done this. None of those guys do it. The superstar rookie, rookie contract guy who's like, there's $23 million I'm just going to walk away from out of principle. It never happens. They sign the contract, then they push to get Now, traded. would he be different though because he's had the injuries if Cuban throws him something? When Cuban said we want these guys to be together for the next 20 years, like I honestly believe that that's all they care about. Every move they made, so you have you have Luca there. You have Dennis Smith Jr. who thinks he's the best player in the team. Yeah. And you have not Harrison Barnes, who's like, I'm a champion. It's end of the game is my time. And everyone in Dallas is like, this is Lucas' team. Can this be Lucas' team now? I remember yeah. watching a couple games where he didn't even touch the ball in the last minute because these two guys think they're the best guy in the team. Everything they want to do is just get rid of those two guys and get some assets. They end up getting Porzingis. Now it's like, who cares who else is on the team? You have Doncic, you have Porzingis. You're going to have cap space in a year. Right, That's like, like even, the, a yeah. top five roster now. Yeah, I don't. It's a top five roster situation now. Yeah, and they're going to have about $30 million in cap. How many franchise players are there? 13? I don't even think it's that many. 11? But even if I think it's less, it doesn't mean I wouldn't want a chance at Przingis. Even if you're telling, like, this quest of the perfect guy. You know, when I've heard this stuff with Anthony Davis, well, okay, if you trade all these pieces, it's LeBron and Davis, and then what? And you go, who gives a shit? Right. Then I'll, I'll just, I'll start there. I'll start with two of the top three guys, maybe one and two. You know, who knows? Like, I'll start there and I'll figure out. Because you know what's not happening this year? The Lakers aren't winning a championship anyway. So don't give me this, oh, what if we trade five? Like, imagine being the Pelicans and be like, and welcome in the 2017-18 Lakers. You right. know what I mean? And you just be going sweet. The 35-win right. team from a year ago. And we got Luke Walton in the deal. I remember this was a big stance for me when, uh, when they put the Bosch-LeBron-Wade team together. And that first, and everybody's like, they're going to win the title. It's done. And I remember going on Levitard's show and arguing with them. I'm like, look, the history of the league says that role players matter. And they've constructed this team so that they have no help whatsoever. And it's going to be harder than people think. Now, they, they got up to that bad start. And then it but, was. But they could have won the title with those three guys. Yeah. Like if that game two, if, if Wade doesn't talk shit to Dallas's bench and Dirk doesn't get in and the whole thing in the series flips. They probably win the title with three guys. And then next year, they were able to add, um, they added Mike Miller. They had a bat, or was Mike Miller there? They had Battier. 
And then the year after that, they had a Ray Allen. They kind of figured out that you need like seven. Um, so like with Dallas. Not Antoine Walker. Not Antoine Walker. He was part of the other one. But even LeBron and Davis, if they get him this summer, I think it's going to be really hard to compete for a title next year with just those two guys. It takes like another year to get the other dudes. Okay, but. Dallas um, is in a much better position. They can be like out of a position of strength. Over the next five years, we were building the perfect team around these two guys, shooters. We're going to have like combo guards, guys who can guard point guards on D, but then play off the ball on offense, and they'll know how to do it. Do you remember the last team Antoine Walker played for? It wasn't the 06 Heat? No. Who was it? The 07-08 T-Wolves. I forgot. Shout so out to I, the T-Wolves. I look at some of those guys from the mid-90s, like Antoine Walker and Ron Mercer and... Marbury and Iverson and like it's it's so weird that their careers weren't long. Antoine Walker joined the league in '96. He was 19. He was out of the league at age 31. 31. 31. Doesn't he was make out of the sense. League. Like Steph Curry's 30 now. It was weird. They just I imagine think, Steph being done in a year. That's crazy. nuts. Uh I, well, wait a minute though. Are you disagreeing with me then on the on the Anthony Davis thing? Like my what? point is just go ahead and get the guy. Then, I'm not. No, I'm. You, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, but you don't like their position, even if they add him. Like my my whole thing on this is, just go get the guys and then figure out the rest. Yeah, of it later. I'm with you. I'm saying, by not getting him now, it's going to be much harder to win the 2020 title. Oh, because of the uncertainty of the offseason. they're going to have to they're going to have to still extra. trade all these dudes right. to get him in June, and then it just becomes hard. You're getting you're getting like slim pickings. So for you the rest still of the dudes. you still think the Lakers would have been are the easier now. Yeah, well, I think that's why they were pushing so hard for it. I, I, they wanted them in place already. They wanted to. I think the Knicks have to be taken seriously with this. I really do. Because let's say they don't get the Zion pick, right? Let's say they get the third pick. And they can put the third pick. They can put Kevin Knox. And they can put the two picks they got from Dallas. That's a pretty nice offer. Would you do the Knicks pick right now? Say the deadline were tomorrow. And it was the Knicks pick for... Anthony Davis, and you don't know what the pick's going to be. Would you do it if you were the Knicks? I wouldn't do it if I was New Orleans. Would you do it if you were the Knicks? So I have to do the next trade value list, and one of the questions for me is, the rights to Zion Williamson, what kind of trade value does that have? And I feel like that is a top five trade value right now. I don't think anybody can trade those picks until they know if they're getting him or not. This is the most important guy that's entered the league since Davis. So what if you knew it was number one? You wouldn't trade Zion. So basically you're telling me you wouldn't trade Zion Williamson for Anthony Davis. I don't think so. Because in, I could lose Davis in a year. I know I have Zion for five years. Well, all right. Yeah. I mean. That, you have to factor what if, that what if in. Davis, what if Davis says, if you trade for me, I'll sign. What if you know you're re-signing Davis? So that means you got him for a four-year extension. How do I trust that? written in blood i don't know uh like do i do i get his possessions that i'd have to he gets back like a security deposit <laughs> uh what if you what if you know you're i mean all right uh, you're right you put it that way uh i guess i was trying to do something here where it's just would you do the rights to zion for anthony davis knowing davis is part of your future but not a one-year rental i don't think i would see that's where it starts to get crazy to me but i think zion is 
I, I think he's about think as sure of a thing as anybody we've had since LeBron. Do you think he is right now like a once in a generation type? I think he might be. So like a LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think he might be. What yeah. if he's Blake Griffin? I think he's better than Blake Griffin. Right. But you know, Blake's pretty good. Blake was fucking off. Blake was the right. third best player in the league four years ago. Remember the stretch where Paul was hurt? Yeah. Not that one. The other one. And Blake, uh, I think Blake finished third for MVP. He, he, he was like, he had a ton of assists. He was yeah. running the offense. He's he, really good. Right. I just, I just wonder like if, if I told everybody, everybody listening right now, I said, Hey, Zion ends up having Blake Griffin's career. Everybody would freak and be like, no way, no way. Maybe you're doing that right now. But I actually think, I think that's a good career. I, I mean, I think he'll be healthier than Blake was. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, what, God, there's so many things I love about him, but I'm shocked by his defense already. Like he, he's kind of Draymondy. On D, what is he like, 6'8? Yeah, 6'8. The yeah, way the joke, he helps and like the way he protects the rim, it's like I always think he's going to get hurt because he's jumping so high. I would have, I think Giannis and Doncic are the two that uh, I would not trade for the rights to Zion. Everyone else I would trade. Giannis. But who knows? Holy ask shit. Me, ask wow. me in a month. If he, if he sucks in the, uh, so in the Steph, tournament. Steph's 30. He's making $40 million a year. I'd rather have Zion. I'm I'm all in on Zion, as you can tell. What I about, really I think right. he's like let's, one let's of the really, all-time sure things let's we've Let's really had. test you here. Yeah. Tatum? Marcus Smart. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's my least favorite thing that's floated around that I know you've heard too, is they signed Marcus to that exact contract because they knew it fit in perfectly for a Davis trade in June. I've heard that one. I was like, first of all, no. Second of all, if you're going to try to win a title, you want to keep Marcus Smart. Yeah. How about they just like Marcus Smart and he yeah. said yes to a number that Third, made sense. In July, you could easily just sign some sort of, you, you can patch together contracts. That's not hard. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Anything else? No, I think we covered Dual it Dual threat? All. We hit a lot of stuff. Dual threat was great this week. I was um, I was extremely proud of this one. So check it out. And then uh, starting after the All-Star break, we're going to start doing the Sunday Night, Monday Morning BS podcast, depending on the week. NBA only. Kyle hates All the it. way through. Kyle's upset about the scheduling. But Kyle, Kyle could... I, Kyle's better off working on a Sunday night than doing the things that he would be doing if he wasn't working. On a Let Sunday them night. jewel. <laughs> Kyle's fine. the dark room will be fine. Kyle spoken like an employer, man. I don't know. Yeah, man, you'll be fine. We don't need you. You're treating like Harrison Barnes right now. Then he can. We need LeBron to wait on Kyle. Let people have Sunday <laughs> yeah, nights. Yeah. Hey, man, Game of Thrones is coming back. It is coming back. Oh yeah. What are we gonna do? We could just do well, a live. Maybe we just take go, Monday mornings. We could just do. It'll be either Sunday nights, Monday mornings. But if there's if there's something topical on Sunday nights, we'll go Sunday nights. If not Monday mornings, but I'm yeah. down. I'm down. We're gonna be we'll after be the All Star Week. It's gonna be awesome. We're not gonna give it some goofy name, unless you want to. No, I think you've you've done well. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're okay as is. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us on the Trade Deadline Podcast, yeah. Ryan Rosilla. Thanks, man. Thanks everybody for listening. All right, thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks to High Flying Bird. Remember, it starts on Netflix February 8th when the NBA players are locked out from the game they love. Will they change the game or will they start a new one? This is directed by a heavy hitter, Academy Award winner, Steven Soderbergh. 
It's really good. We talked about it last week on this podcast. Watch it right now only on Netflix. That's it for the BS podcast. Hope you heard all the ones this week. Hope you heard the uh, the rewatchables with the Warriors. We have another rewatchables coming up on Tuesday. It's a star is born. It's happening. Got to get ready for the Oscars. It's already a rewatchable. I don't know how that happened. So we're doing that on Tuesday. And then uh, three BS podcasts coming as well. Enjoy the weekend. Talk to you soon. Bye.